Summer driving is here, and so are the red-hot deals on the best tire brands at Dobbs. Money saver June deals on new sets of Goodyear, Cooper, Continental, Michelin, and Pirelli tires. Click on GoToDobbs.com to find your next set of tires today. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. morning everyone happy holiday weekend happy friday great to have you with us on 101 espn character and smallman at seven o'clock your time check brought to you by clarkson jewelers an officially licensed rolex jeweler i'm randy character that's michelle smallman and we're looking forward to a three-day weekend yes we are but i am first looking forward to three hours of radio with you randy it should be fun looking forward to it as well jay delsing at the bottom of this hour the alana head coach and michelle check out my shirt today very nice, Randy. Randy is sporting his orange polo. He is ready to talk to Brett Bielma. I am uh, ILL this morning. I and I. Yep. Brett Bielma at 8.30, and then Nick Ragone will bring us up to date on what's happening with next week's Ascension Charity Classic. He'll join us at 9.15, and we've been talking about the Ascension Charity Classic now for about three years, Yes. and now it's upon us finally. And I'm sure it's going to be top-notch, and I'm so excited for the fans to go out and, and see what they've built there, and it's going to be a really special event. Yeah, next week at Norwood Country Club is going to be a lot of fun, and we will have a couple of sets of tickets throughout the course of the morning that we will provide you. And also, later in the show, you are going to have the opportunity to win tickets to next Tuesday's Cardinals-Dodgers game, Albert Pujols in town. It is the Budweiser Bash, and it features an exclusive Lee Smith bobblehead. The winner must be 21 and over. Tickets courtesy of Budweiser and 101 ESPN. You can get all the details at Cardinals.com slash promotions. But Michelle, we are putting together this morning a phrase that pays for people that are loyal listeners throughout the course of the morning. Mm-hmm. So here's how this is going to work. At any point in any hour, so we're going to have three words per, so one word per hour, Randy's going to fire a sounder. Randy, you want to play it just so that people know what they need to be listening Let me for? Make sure I have it. <laughs> So we could be in the middle of Tioli, and Randy could fire the sounder, and I will reveal the word of the hour. So you need to compile all three words, one in the 7 o'clock hour, one in the 8 o'clock hour, and one in the 9 o'clock hour. And then at the end of the show, when Randy fires the sounder again, you text in to 65780, the phrase that pays. And that is for the Cardinals tickets. We will have a different contest for the tickets for the Ascension Charity Classic. So we have a lot going on this morning. This is going to be busy. We're going to have to press this button a lot this morning. Looking forward to it. Just making sure that's not the official sounder for hour one, is it? That's the official sounder, Michelle. 
for each and every hour. Hour one, okay. hour two, and hour three. Wait, you I'm hear saying that? I don't reveal the word right now. Uh, no, we're okay. going to re- okay. reveal a word at some point during the hour. Right now it's just 7.03. Cardinals didn't lose last night, which All is a good right. thing. Yes, yeah. Cardinals. Yeah, go Cards. Uh, they didn't play. Right, sure. <laughs> but they do play the Brewers tonight, the opener of a three-game series in Milwaukee. And Adam Wainwright will pitch, so the Cardinals will win. He'll be opposed by Freddie Peralta. And yesterday, Michelle, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers lost the finale of their four-game series with the Giants, and it was a really good competitive series. This was an afternoon game played at Oracle Park in San Francisco. They go to the bottom of the eighth inning. The Giants are trailing in this one. Actually, they're tied at one apiece, and it was another one of those giant no-names that steps up and wins the game for them. Estrada with a deep drive. Left field. Oh, he got all of that one. Tyro Estrada for three. It's 5-1 San Francisco. Tyro Estrada, former Yankee, picked up off waivers. The Giants are kind of a devil magic team now. Big time. It's like they took it from the Cardinals in one of those World Series mm-hmm. a few years ago and never gave it back. Maybe it's the curse of Travis Ishikawa. But don't even go there, Randy. I'm We're trying to have a good Friday. There. Why do we have to bring up that name? But listen to the, the Giants now tied with the Dodgers for the best record in baseball. Mm-hmm. And yesterday's lineup, Austin Slater in right field. Good player. Nice player, but not a big name. Then Chris Bryant hitting second. Brandon Belt has had a healthy year hitting third. Darren Ruff is their cleanup hitter. Guy taken off the scrap. He played in the in the KBO, and now he's their one of their cleanup hitters. Tyro Estrada hit fifth. Brandon Crawford, you know him. He hit sixth. Uh, Kurt Casale, who is their backup catcher. He plays one of every three games because they have an older catcher who's been hurt. So they they play their regular catcher, Buster Posey, their Hall of Fame catcher, like two days in a row, and then they play Casale the third day in a row. And Casale's record is something like 22 and and four as a catcher. Dang. Yeah. So he plays. And I'm just throwing that out there, that that's what they do with their hall of, their older Hall of Fame catcher. Oh, they have they, a schedule? Yeah. They, they, and they play him uh, like every... So that when they get to October, Michelle, because they felt like they were going to win, they can play Buster Posey and he'll be fresh and ready to go. And they can play him all the time. Yeah. All the, all the time. So Casale hit seventh. Uh, Marcus Dubon, a former second baseman, hit eighth in center field. I'm just looking at this lineup and Logan Webb. And that, those guys play a lot for the Giants. I always like to think about the grocery store game. If you printed out pictures of all those guys outside of Chris Bryant, how many people in, ba- in any baseball market outside of San Francisco in America would know any of those guys? Well, Buster Posey didn't play, so none of them. Well, Chris Bryant. No, I said outside of Chris Bryant. Outside of Chris Bryant, St. Louis, best baseball town in America. If you you printed out pictures of those guys and went up to somebody over at Schnucks and said, who is this? They'd be like, I don't know. You're exactly right. 100% correct. And we're the best baseball town in America. That just illustrates what they've been able to do with these guys. The Phillies also won, so they've moved a half game ahead of the Cardinals in the wild card race. Yesterday, Philadelphia with a 7-6 win over the Nationals. Philly scoring four in the eighth as well. They were down 6-3, score four in the eighth, win the game by a score of 7-6. So right now, that National League wild card race, it is a horse race as we play September. And I hope it stays this way. But right now, you've got... The Reds, who are leading for the second wild card. Padres are a half game behind. Phillies are two games behind. The Cardinals are two and a half behind. And don't look now, but the Dumpster Fire Mets have won four in a row. And they're five behind in the wild card race with 30 games to go. 
This isn't looking great for the Cardinals. No, it's not. Schedule-wise, no, it's not. So that being said, let's look ahead to the the, the end of the season, Michelle. And this is what we're going to do throughout the course of the morning. You are given the opportunity to make one move. Bill DeWitt Jr. comes to you and says, I'm giving you one move this offseason for the Cardinals. It can be in the front office. It can be with a free agent. We aren't going to do trades here because trades, we don't know if the other team will make them. But you are allowed to make one personnel move with the Cardinals during the course of the offseason. And we're going to do this throughout the course of the morning. You can send us a mic drop with the 101 ESPN app, our Rhino Shield mic drop. So easy to use. You can leave a 30-second voicemail or you can text us 65780. And we'd like to hear from you the one move you're allowed during this offseason. And Bill DeWitt is going to give you total power of the organization for about five minutes. And then once you make one move, you're cut off. That's right. But it could be anything from firing someone internally to going out and acquiring a player. Mm -hmm. It could be really it could be giving a contract to somebody internally, uh, a player that's certainly on the Cardinals right now. If you want to lock up Jack Flaherty to a long term deal, whatever you want to do, we want to hear from you what your one move would be. So you have to set your priorities and determine what your move is going to be. And then, Michelle, uh, we're going to take those texts. We're going to get to those uh, here in just a moment. But did you get a chance to watch any college football last night? I did not. I went to a concert, but I did see the highlights this morning. How was the concert, first of all? It was Brooks very and good. Dunn, right? No, that's that's oh, tonight. T- tonight is Ashley McBride at the pageant. Very good. Very talented. She did an Allman Brothers cover. It was amazing. Awesome. Good to hear. I watched a lot of Ohio State and Minnesota. And you always expect that Ohio State at some point is going to have some jitters because they're young because they graduate first rounders every year and they had some jitters Michelle they were down 14 10 at the half last night they outscored Minnesota 35 17 though in the second half their defense coming away with a couple of touchdowns at Ohio State is Ohio State they're just going to be great and so don't get any inkling any feeling that Ohio State is not going to play in the final four they're going to be in the final four yeah even last night I was like you said I was watching the highlights this morning and they looked vulnerable there for a minute Minnesota looked really strong but Ohio State this is what happens is they recalibrate during a game and they find a way to win yeah Uh, fumble return uh, another interception that led to uh, a long touchdown and they roll by a score of 45-31. And the other game last night, the ESPN game, delayed for a long time. That was Boise State against Central Florida. Gus Malzahn's first game with Central Florida. And they're down 21 late, but they come back to win the game. And Gus Malzahn said, in addition to having a huge omelet at Waffle House, he was going to throw a waffle into. An omelet at Waffle House? Yeah. I, I just assume if you're going to Waffle House that you're going because you, I know he, you said he's going to throw a waffle in, but they, that would be the first thing that you'd order on the menu. Wouldn't you think that that would be if you are a devotee of Waffle House, which he clearly is, you would be all about getting the waffle. That's the waffle would, would be the first thing that you would get. That's what I'm saying. I, I would think yeah. the comment would be I'm getting a stack of waffles, throw an omelet in it on the side. Not, I'm going to Waffle House for an omelet. Throw a waffle on the side. No. And so I'll, I'll get the official order for you. Okay. Thank uh, you. It was, okay. Uh, he said ham and cheese omelet scattered, smothered, covered and chunked. Dramatic pause. Probably tonight I'll get a waffle too. I don't know what any of that means. I have only been to Waffle House once, and it was when I was driving from Charlotte to Tallahassee in the middle of the night, and we got it to go. Okay. I'm guessing scattered means it's not, like, folded over, that it's kind of already cut up. 
And they mm. kind of like scr- scrambled eggs with stuff in it. Isn't so and ham and cheese. Omelet when it when it folds over and you can cut right in it with a fork. That's what I like. And then covered and chunked. And I guess that's like salsa or something. Covered with what cheese? Uh, Emily has Gravy? the yeah the bulletin apparently official here. Okay, so scat smothered is with sautéed onions. Oh, yum! In okay. covered melted cheese. In chunked grilled hickory smoked ham. And scattered, I can't, I don't see that yet. So he's okay. got ham in the omelet and additional ham on top. Okay, good. Chunked. It's a hey, double ham order. Gus, I'm a fan. All right, Gus. So, so there's your college football news. <laughs> news that you need here on 101 ESPN. I need to get to a Waffle House. Yeah. There's one close. There's one in Maryland Heights. All right. The Illini play uh, Texas San Antonio tomorrow. Mizzou will open their season against Central Michigan 3 o'clock at Faroe Field. Oh, and by the way, wear your black and gold on Fridays, folks. And I'm wearing my orange today because we have Brett Bielema on the show. But Mizzou says as a new semester starts, it means campus is brimming with Tiger Spirit. Now it's time to see the whole state and the whole world roar. The University of Missouri is working to stripe the state black and gold as part of Black and Gold Fridays. The Mizzou community has been donning the school's colors on Fridays for years, anticipating game days for 20 sports and more than 550 student-athletes. Now, Tiger fans across the state and globe can join the fun and and show some Tiger pride in their corner of Missouri. Participation is easy. Just put on some black and gold and share the look on social media using hashtag stripe the state and hashtag M-I-Z bonus points for pets. They're trying to make the world roar. Yeah, they are. With Tiger Roar. Okay. Uh, Do we have any texts so far or moves that people would make one move that you can make for the Cardinals during the offseason. Randy, as you can imagine, we are inundated with texts already. Good. Can I give you several? Mm-hmm. From the 314, my move would be to fire Mo and hire anyone from the Tampa Bay Rays organization. This team has been stale by doing this. I believe there'll be a trickle-down effect. And we have friends, uh, right? Uh, Mr. Ibach, Kevin yep. Ibach from right. the, the Rays organization, friend of the show. Yes, I wonder how he feels about St. Louis. Probably likes it. What about Sto- uh, their owner, Stuart Sternberg? You could bring him aboard and he could put well, in a, uh, a raised style payroll. Does that work, though, if Mr. DeWitt is giving you the power to make one move? Probably I'm sure not, that doesn't no. mean, in, you know, pushing new, him out of the way. Can't world. do a new owner. Okay. No, no. Okay, so from the 618, the first move I'm making is firing Mike Schill and naming Yadier Molina as the player manager for this season and extending him as manager for the next four years. Interesting. Okay. From the 314, if I could make any move, I'd replace Mike Schilt with Willie McGee as the manager. That's from John in Bell Vegas. Shout out to Bell Vegas. Another interesting move. From the 636, I would do whatever it takes to hire Jim Edmonds as the Cardinals hitting coach. Okay, good singular move. From the 314, one move, sign Corey Seager to a seven-year deal. Corey Seager, I think, is my guy, too. I would hope that I could get him for a six-year deal, but seven is fine, too. (laughs) From the 636, my one personnel move, bye-bye Jeff Albert. I would think a lot of people will have that one. We have many. Goodbye, Jeff Albert. <laughs> um, from the 314, again, my one move is to sign Corey Seager. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like that. Um, from the 417, can my one move to be firing Mo and Jeff Albert as a package deal? <laughs> no, you get one. Now, what you can do is replace the general manager and say, okay, here's a, the new guy. Here's how you get high. Here's how you get the gig. Yeah. Okay, one more for you, Randy, from the 314. My one move would be to rehire Jeff Lunau in some capacity. I think that'd be interesting, and I, I like that creativity. Me too. He did a lot of good things for the Cardinals. Yeah, he 
brought in a lot of good players and obviously did good, smart things and creative things. Sometimes stretching the limits, perhaps, of legality in baseball, but they were creative and outside the box anyway, and they worked. They They did. Won a world championship. He he might not have been liked in a lot of places, but he won. Yeah. And we already have mic drops flowing in. Let's get our first mic drop of the morning. And we expect a lot of you to mic drop because we're going to do this a lot during the course of the morning. Hi, Jason. Welcome to the show. Hey, this is Jason from Carlisle, Illinois. The one major move I want to see is a shortstop. Carlos Correa or Corey Seager. That's the one major move that I want to see. I don't think there's going to be a lot of love for Paul DeYoung this morning. We are going to reveal what our one move would be at 8 o'clock. Yes. There's a tease there. (laughs) Looking forward to that, and we appreciate your input so far. We're going to do this again at 8, and we're going to do it at 9, so don't stop. Coming up next, though, our peak or pit of the week. Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Get your peak or pit of the week into 65780. That's the Air Comfort Service text line. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, Emily Butcher with you. As we, heck, if you want to start your holiday weekend now, feel free to do so. Make it a four-day weekend because you're not really going to get anything accomplished anyway, are you? No, we're giving you permission. Yeah, let's be honest. Just no. if, if you're sitting at the uh, at the desk, you're at the cubicle or whatever, and you take <laughs> the headphone jack out and you're just listening because you want to spin your chair around. And here, I'll spin my chair around. Let me do this. Hold on one second. Okay. You just want to spin your chair around like this, okay? And your boss says, what the hell are you doing? You say, hey. And you take the headphone jack out so you're listening so everybody can hear a character in this moment. Mm-hmm. I say, hey, Randy and Michelle told me that... Uh, I could start the weekend now. So you have permission from Carriker and Smallman to start your weekend now. Yes. Yeah. Have a good time. I love having a chair that spins around, by the way. Do you? I do. Because yeah. I've sat in this chair for quite some time and I don't think I've ever spun it once. Never had the desire. Well, I just, yeah, I never thought of it and yeah. never See? presented now itself you to know me. you can. And now I might. Yep. All right. Uh, Michelle, would you like to start with Pig and Pit? Sure. So um, technically, this goes back to. Our show last week, mm-hmm. last Friday, up until this Friday. Correct. So my peak is my fighting Illini getting off to a great start. ILL. INI with Coach Bielma's first win as the head coach of the University of Illinois beating Nebraska. And even though Nebraska clearly is a program with a lot of issues, it, it was still a big win for Illinois and a great way to start the Brett Bielma era. So that is my peak mm-hmm. because... Being optimistic about Illinois athletics, Randy, is my drug of choice. It doesn't matter how many times they burn me before. <laughs> I love the feeling of hope around your school. And I love the feeling of hope that they might have signed the right guy. And so far, so good with Brett Bielman. Good for you. He seems like a great, a great acquisition. Well, didn't you feel that way about Eli Drinkwitz? Totally, yeah. You know, it's a good mm-hmm. feeling to have. It's a good feeling to have. And um, my pit... Randy, is that it feels like every morning when I wake up and I check the standings, the Cardinals are stagnant at two and a half games back. Yeah. It feels like no matter what happens that they've been pretty stagnant in the standings for a while. Good ones. Uh, my pit, Michelle, is that I would have felt really good about being two and a half games back on Monday morning, but Tsutsugio hit the three-run homer yeah. on Sunday. The three-run homer for 
Tutugo of the Pirates off of Alex Reyes on Sunday was my pit. Pretty bad. My peak is that in the last two days, we have reached my favorite time of year. The 82-degree, sunny, clear day. Best golf weather that you'll have all year long. And this is cliche because we do the weather thing a lot, but this is my absolute favorite time of year. As a matter of fact, Michelle, my favorite driving while listening to a song, really loud song, is September by Earth, Wind & Fire. Well, you got it because we're here. But this morning when I woke up, there's a little bit of a chill in the air. Perfect. Yeah, it's great. And then high school football Fridays, you just got that feel. You know, it's great. Yeah. All right. Your text 65780. Emily, what do we have? From the 314 Peak Mizzou football this Saturday. And Pitt, we haven't got any we haven't gotten any fall weather yet. This is kind of fallish. We're trending there. We are. Yeah, this is great. It's If it's 82, 83, that's fall for me. I love that. It's perfect. 78 is really good, too. But yesterday and the day before were sensational. From the 770 pit, I'm 27 and got shingles. Oh, Ooh, no. man. Remember Tony LaRusso's shingles? I'll never forget. Oh, man. That did not I was in great. pain looking at Tony LaRusso's shingles. Yeah, me too. But he powered through. Hey, Michelle, I'll tell you what. I'm 59. haven't had shingles. And I would get the shingles vaccine. I know they advertise it on TV. I would get it so I can avoid getting the, the shingles. Oof. I interfered. <laughs> and their peak, today's a three-day weekend. All right. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we just gave you permission That's for four. Right. From the 636 peak, thanks to my work experience, I tested out of a class for my MBA. Pitt, I still have to pay for half the class. Oh, what? But testing out of it so you don't have to take it is better. You, you pay for it because it's going to pay for itself down the road. Yeah, but that's ridiculous. If you test out of it, you should not have a bill for it. Yeah, right. You have to pay for half a class that you never, ever take. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But at least you get credit for it. Like, if I could have, Michelle, gone to college and taken a three-hour class, never had to go to said class and paid for one for half of it, I would have done that in a blink. <laughs> I'm sure you would have. Yeah. Oh, okay, oh. the sounder, the sounder. As we start the phrase that pays on Carriker and Smallman. The first word, the 7 a.m. word for the phrase that pays is I. Oh, that's the first word. All right. So now you know via radio. Put that down in the notes of your phone. Yep. First, or in your head. Or in your head. First word is I. From the 314, they gave us a note. Scattered, smothered, covered, chunked refers to hash browns, and they're the best. Oh. oh okay. And uh, I also saw that scattered means when they scatter them on the grill. Oh, okay. And, and another texture had said, I, I'm sorry, I don't have your area code, but they said that uh, all the other notes that I gave were correct, but scattered is when you scatter them on the grill. If you're just tuning in, last night, after his first win at UCF, Gus Malzahn was asked what he was going to order at... Uh, at Waffle House because historically when he was a coach at Auburn after a win, he'd go to Waffle House to celebrate. And last night his order was going to be ham and cheese omelet, scattered, smothered, covered, and chunked. And then probably tonight I'll get a waffle too. And that's why we're having the omelet discussion here. Do you think he keeps the visor on while he's eating at no Waffle House? question. No doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, the peak from the 314 was daughter's COVID test was negative. Oh, good. that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Happy about that. But the pit, she still had to quarantine for two days after it. Uh, oh, poor thing. But, she, but it was negative. That's the most important thing. Yeah, right. From the 618 peak, college football is back. Pit, have to work the holiday weekend. Oh, uh, uh, well, I hope you like your job at least. 
Or that you're getting paid overtime. Yeah. Uh, or holiday pay. Michelle, an early take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. College football, greater sign NFL. Oh, no doubt. Big time. I was watching last night and I'm thinking, you know what? I, I just like this. Why does the NFL bother playing preseason games? College gets by with no preseason games and they play good, effective football. Why does the NFL need preseason games? They're supposed to be professionals. That's true. Um, really quickly, we're getting a lot of texts about the the first word mm-hmm. and the phrase that pays. It's I as in myself singular, yes. not I as in in my on my face I can see. Good point. Glad that yes. you uh, differentiated there. Yes. From the 636 peak, I promoted three associates to senior level this week. Pitt, I now have the agonizing task of replacing them. Oh, man. Uh, Talking to people that are hiring people, that is not an easy task right now. And I hope that you have good people that you can promote from within. But it's cool that you were able to promote three people like that. That's great. Yeah, that is great. That probably felt really good to promote them. But yeah, everyone I'm hearing, it's very hard to hire people. Yeah. Which is shocking. Yeah. Pretty much everywhere. Everywhere. It's pretty difficult. This one from the 270, I believe this is Brian. Peak, I beat Randy on Wednesday in the fight. Got to go, Brian. Mm-hmm. Yep. Low, I have to work this weekend. A lot oh, of people man, working this yeah, weekend. on the Labor Day weekend. Yeah. It's a bummer. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. One week from today, Jay Delsing will be playing in the Ascension Charity Classic over at Norwood Hills. He will also be on our air Sunday morning, but he'll be on our air next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. One week from this morning, the Ascension Charity Classic gets underway at Norwood Hills Country Club. You can still get tickets at ascensioncharityclassic.com. John Daly will be playing. VJ Singh will be playing. Uh, we'll also have St. Louis and Jay Williamson and our own St. Louis and Jay Delsing. You hear him every Sunday morning at 9 here on 101 ESPN. And you hear him every Friday at 730 with Carriker and Smallman. He's with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Jay, how you doing, man? Hey, good morning. I'm doing just great. What's going on today? Are you going to be able to join us next Friday? <laughs> Man, I hope. I don't know. Maybe I'll get an afternoon tea time. If I do, I'll be in. Don't worry. I wanted to ask you, uh, of all of the players in this field, if the uh, the PGA would come to you and say, okay, you can be paired with anybody you want in round one, who do you think you'd pick? Well, man, that's a great question. I've never been asked that uh, other than to – you know, to be able to put it together like my dream foursome, you know, which would be my dad and my brother and then probably um, Pearlie or someone. But um, I don't know, guys. I've been so far removed. You know, I've, I've played with everybody before. I, I guess I'd probably pay, play with Steve Pate and probably Olin Brown. They're two of my oldest friends. I went to college with Pater. I had him on the show last week. He's, he's His nickname's the Human Volcano, and he is – he is a he's a highlight reel all to himself every single day. He's just really fun to be with. And at this point in time, I mean, we probably do more laughing than we do hit good shots anyway. So who cares? <laughs> Jay, who was your most memorable pairing on tour? Oh gosh, guys! I played my fourth tournament on tour on Sunday at Bay Hill. I got paired with Johnny Miller and Hale Irwin. Wow! And it was the weirdest pairing. So um, I'm I'm just coming from still living in LA because of college and haven't moved back home yet. And going from West coast to East coast, 
such a tough transition because of the, uh, the time change. And so I, I couldn't fall asleep, you know, as early as I'd like on, uh, in Orlando at Ar- Arnold's tournament. And I've got this early time on Sunday. And none of us are playing very well, but my, my buddy calls me the night before and says, I'm just kind of looking over the PGA Tour record books and Johnny Miller is fourth all-time money and Hale Irwin's 11th. I don't see your name in this list. And I'm like, oh, man. But I got to tell you, it was just so bizarre, you guys, because Johnny Miller is just a strange guy. I, I like him. I didn't know him at the time, but he was just weird mannerisms, collar pop, all polyester, you know, and just has this kind of swishy walk that, you know, from North County where I grew up, I, I didn't see a whole lot of that, you know. And then and Hale is just brutally tough competitor, non-nice guy, just game face 100% of the time, you know, and it was a weird, weird day, I, I can I can tell you. And especially because it was your fourth event, you must have been thinking to yourself, man, is it going to be like this all the time? <laughs> oh, I know. I, you guys, um, uh, Johnny Miller's caddy was big-timing me out there. He'd walk <laughs> in my line. He wouldn't give me any room. I finally, I knew what was going on. You know, you've got to stand your ground, and you've got to so. You, you, you've got to say a few things. I can't tell you exactly what I said to him, but I took my putter and I, I shoved it in the back pant pocket of his as he was walking off the third green, and I pulled it hard, and he turned around, and I said, hey, do you have a problem with me? And he's like, what are you talking about, man? You know, and I knew exactly he was going to deny everything. I said, if you don't give me room out here and stop walking in my line, I'm going to hit you with this putter. And I said a few other things, and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And after that, the day with him was no trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, speaking of chirping a little bit, Jay, I wanted to ask you about Bryson DeChambeau. So he was heckled last week at the BMW Championship. People were chanting Brooksy at him. He didn't like it. And then PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan said that they plan to crack down on the hecklers. What What was your take on that? Oh, Michelle, it was twofold. I mean... There's so much that that I had rushed through my mind. It's a, that, uh, it's a, a volleyball sort of question, right? Because there's the history of the game and all the things that a lot of us respect. But there's also the, the fact that it's like, come on, we're outside and, and you know, let let the fans be the fans. I mean, I'm a, I would be all for constant noise, yelling, screaming all the time. I would, you know, we're outside and, and I appreciate the quiet, and that's more respectful in the in the tradition of the game. But what the hell, you know? Let let people talk. Let them do whatever they want to do. But I've, I've been reading more about it, and I've kind of changed my tune a little bit. I read what Rory McIlroy said. I've read what Patrick Cantlay said after that epic, you know, six-hole playoff. And they're all really feeling for Bryson. I mean, I guess it's really, really brutal. And it, it, it's one thing to say Brooksy, but it's the other comments that I bet are really getting under everybody's skin. And it's, you know, the, everything gets so personal these days. You know, you guys, when my dad was playing baseball, I would ask him, I'm like, Dad, what did the fans say to you? They booed you. They, and they, he'd say the worst thing they ever said about you was you were a bum. And, you know, you felt terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People called you a bum. That's nothing in today's world. You know, they're not saying, oh, they're just not only calling him Brooksy and not only saying he's a bum, they're saying some other, you know, pretty awful disparaging things. And that's kind of more the world we live in. 
Jay, you mentioned Patrick Cantlay's comments, and I thought it was interesting that he talked about the player impact program that was created by the tour and said that when you have $8 million in bonus money on the line, a lot of people are going for attention-seeking maneuvers, and maybe you're opening yourself up to this wrong type of attention that you're getting. Do you think that there's any correlation there? Oh, my gosh, I do, Michelle. And I thought what Patrick said was besides being well thought out, it was it was pretty spot on. I mean, think about this. This is a brand-new program. It's pretty wild without a whole lot of restriction. And so what does it mean? I mean, is attention good at any at any cost? I mean, what you know, where where do all the rules that we used to follow for conduct on becoming professionals and things like that that I was taught, where do those play in? And when you put that amount of money, this is a lot of money, you guys. What what, what happens? You know, is 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 Brooks Kepka? Does he see this as just a way to to make a couple more million bucks? And I can tell you one thing: Bryson doesn't give it. Dang about it! I mean, he would he would have put this to bed a long time ago, and and uh, I don't know I don't know what to think because I know golf needs to be more fun. Golf needs to lighten up a little bit, but I, it'd be tough if if I was Bryson DeChambeau and I was dealing with this every single time I went out. No doubt, Jay Delsing with us on 101 ESPN. Jay Delsing golf with Jay Delsing on Sunday morning on 101 ESPN at nine o'clock. Jay, we were talking about Bryson uh, last Friday. He missed a six footer that would have given him a 59 uh, playing in, in the tournament last week. Your career low round in the PGA was a 61 at the St. Jude. What do you remember about that? Do you remember every shot, and most importantly, do you remember what kept you from a 60 or a 59. Yeah, I, I do, Randy. It's just crazy. I mean, I walk in the grocery store and I can't remember what I came into the damn thing. <laughs> yeah, and, but if you talk to me about, I, I can remember on the front nine. I think I shot, I think I shot five or six under, and I made the longest putts I had. I missed a bunch of very makeable ones. But it's a, you know, you're not analyzing the round. You're just playing it. And then um, I just, I kind of cooled off on the back nine. I. I had some opportunities. I didn't make them, and and then I, I made an eagle. I hold a bunker shot on 16 to go from seven to nine under, and then hit a good shot on 17. And I knew I was going to make this putt, and I, uh, I I didn't hit a good shot on 18, and so par was just kind of inevitable. But I remember feeling like the hole was so big that day that if I just got it around it, it somehow it was going to you know, roll in and go in. And I've had way more days where I felt like I was putting a, a beach ball into a thimble, you know, where I was like, this thing's going to come really close, but it's never going to go in. Those days are so special. And I was shocked to see him miss that six footer. Cause typically speaking on those days, guys, you're made everything from 10 putting in is almost automatic. Yeah, it's remarkable the way these guys putt. Okay, so you close out with a 61, and that's the final round of the St. Jude Classic down in Memphis, right? Yes, down in Memphis. So as you closed out with a 61, how close did that get you to the top of the leaderboard? I started the day, Randy, off in like 45th or 50th, and I think I wound up finishing fourth. Okay, nice day. Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh, it was wonderful. And Nick Price had kind of had a big lead, and so. Uh, but I, it was fun because as I was looking at the back nine, I'm like, well, hell, if I shoot another six or seven under, I could go ahead and win this thing. And so I was giving it all I got, but all I had. But it, 
it, it fell short. I just needed a few more holes, you know, because on those <laughs> days you feel like you can birdie every single hole you get to play. Exactly. And one final thing, Jay, before we let you go, and I do want to ask you about what you have coming up on Sunday, but we never know how many more opportunities we're going to get to see John Daly hit the ball. And he's a, a Midwest guy. He's beloved here in St. Louis. And I think it'll be really fun to see John Daly playing next week. Oh, my gosh. Randy, for sure. You guys, when when my last couple of years on tour, right when I was in my middle 40s, I got paired with John. And other than Tiger, he was by far and away the biggest draw. We had twenty or 30,000 people following us the entire day. And I text John, oh, gosh, probably 10 days ago, you know, because we played a lot of junior golf together, and I played a lot of rounds with him because they didn't. We didn't have much of a junior program in St. Louis, but it was way better than what they had in Arkansas. And he's he's not feeling great, guys. The bladder uh, cancer treatment really hit him hard, and he's struggling trying to quit smoking. And um, he's so honest about all this stuff. He, he he texts me like, "Dude, I don't know how to quit smoking." I'm like, mm. "Oh, well, I don't know what to tell you. Just stop." Is there any way to just stop? He's like, yeah, I wish I could. It's way harder than that. So he he is so authentic and so fun and so genuine. Um, The people will love him. And he's going to be in the field. And there's a, what, John Daly bobble night, bobblehead night, right, on on Wednesday at the ballpark? Right, yeah. So that'll be cool to have him here for that. Uh, One time Jack Buck told me that he was doing a game. This was after Daly had won the PGA and it was before the Rams had moved to St. Louis. So the, he, Jack is doing a Monday night game out in Anaheim. And before the game, John Daly's out kicking 40-yard field goals right through the uprights. He said he's an probably, unbelievable athlete. Probably barefoot, too, Randy. He is an unbelievable athlete. And he probably had a dart in his mouth, you know, and probably <laughs> yep. a cocktail not far away. And, and he just, he just the, the way he lives, he just throws it right out there. I wish I was more like that. He's really... You don't want to marry to your sister, you know, but he's one of those guys that you just love to sit down and have dinner with. He's just terrific. Jay, what do you have coming up on the show on Sunday morning? We have Brian Anderson, the play-by-play guy for the Milwaukee Brewers. He's also hosted the franchise, the matches, the Tiger and Phil, Tom Brady, Peyton, you know, those uh, things. I got to know Brian. He, he got to start um, – and golf down at the Golf Channel in the early uh, 2000s. Really a great guy and uh, uh, really fun. We talked a little baseball. We talked a little golf, a little Charles Barkley. A lot, lot of fun stuff. Looking forward to that. Jay, thank you very much. We appreciate it, as always, and we'll talk to you soon. Pleasure, guys. Have a great day. You have a great weekend. Take care. That's Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN, a 61 at the St. Jude Classic. You can only dream of that. Yeah, it's Ridiculous. really unimaginable. Yeah, because like when I play, if I get a 61 on the front sometimes, I feel like, okay, that's a, that's an accomplishment. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> We've got Take It or Leave It coming your way next. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Coming up at the top of the hour, we are going to continue today's question of the day. You have one move that you can make. Bill DeWitt Jr. has given you one move that you can make for the Cardinals during the offseason. And you get to make a player move or a front office move, but you only get one, and then we're going to stop you after that. You can send in a mic drop with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. You can send us a text, and we'll have that at the top of the hour. But right now, it is time for Take It or Leave It. And Michelle, don't know if you saw this about Aaron Rodgers. He says of his relationship with his fiancée Shailene Woodley during this 
season. It's a busy work time for her, so my decision to return probably came at a good time for both of us to be able to focus on our work. I think it's going to be a good thing. I mean, her work was shut down for an entire year, and she's booked a number of projects. She enjoys working and her own routine, routine, which I obviously enjoy too. Take it or leave it. Absence will make the heart grow fonder for A-Rod, and he will retire after the 2021 season to get married and spend more time with Shailene. I'm going to leave it. Well, I'll take part of it. I do think Absence will make the heart grow fonder. I'm sure he will miss her tremendously during the season while she's also working. But I don't think he's going to retire because he's getting what he wants. He's getting out. So I think that... Maybe this is the time for her to do her projects, knowing that he's going to be starting a new chapter and she can go with him wherever that may be. And take it or leave it, she will take Sundays off from her projects to go to watch him play wherever he is. I'll take that. I will, too. They're engaged. I'm sure she wants to support him. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, uh, Randy, I want to give you a take it or leave it about Brad Pitt. Randomly, Missouri's own. Yes, ma'am. So he was doing an interview with Esquire and they were asking him about his fashion choices because Brad, Brad Pitt, one of the most fashionable guys out there, Mm -hmm. he says that his style is to, quote, lead by comfort. He says, you get older, you get crankier and comfort becomes more important. I think it's as simple as that. Take it or leave it. Brad Pitt just gave every guy in America the green light to wear sweatpants and a T-shirt wherever they go. Take it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We got the green light now. If if you are going to a dinner or something and your significant other is putting out an outfit on the bed and it has dress shoes involved, you can say, no, nope, I'm going the Brad Pitt route. I'm leading with comfort. I like that idea, Brad. By the way, are you aware? I'll, I'll uh, open the curtain to uh, the, the male life and discussion here for you. Okay, oh, Michelle? No, I'm nervous. For the last couple of decades... One of the questions that men have asked each other is Jennifer or Angelina. Are you aware of this? No, I was not. So he had to make that choice. And that's just one of the questions that guys ask Jennifer or Angelina. So you're sitting around, you're commiserating about yep. the Cardinals, and then you throw in a Jennifer or Angelina. That absolutely totally happens. 65780. Uh, give us your answer, Jennifer or Angelina. I know yours. You're a Jennifer guy. Yeah, but I haven't always been, but I am now. Yeah. Uh, Angelina. She just seems a little too dangerous for you, Randy. Yeah, that's yeah. Once I found out that she was wearing vials of blood around her (laughs) neck, I think that kind of did it for me. Yeah. Uh, 65780, your uh, Teolis. And Emily, what do we have? From the 314, take it or leave it. People who don't use condiments for things like fries, chicken tenders, chicken wings, etc. are a different kind of crazy. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. If you eat your fries bare, I'm afraid of you. All of those things. Chicken tenders. How do you not have ranch with chicken tenders? That's right. Or unless you get them from Chick-fil-A, which sponsors uh, Wednesdays with Wayno here on 101 ESPN. I know that you like the Polynesian sauce. I am partial to the Chick-fil-A sauce. But yes, you have to. And by the way, the waffle fries from (laughs) Chick-fil-A in the... The Chick-fil-A sauce, off the charts. Polynesian sauce for me. Also, Chick-fil-A, low-key, might have the best honey mustard around. Yeah, really good. Their sauce yeah. game is on a 10. Top of the chart. Amazing. From the 314, take it or leave it, Mizzou Tigers will win by 10 or more points. I'm going to take that for fun. I'll take that, too. And apparently, the head coach of Central Michigan, Jim McElwain, will not be on hand because of COVID-related issues. From the 314, take it or leave it, Tom Brady is the best villain turned good guy we've ever seen. 
Ooh, man, that's really good. You know what? I might take that because everyone hated him. And you know what? Yep. I would have said A-Rod, but everybody dislikes A-Rod now that he's yeah. not with J-Lo. But A-Rod was the biggest reclamation project of all time, but that has self-corrected a bit. But Tom Brady was the villain for so long, for so many fan bases. People who didn't even have fan bases that were tortured by him hated him because he had it all. And he yeah. was a champion and he's good looking and he had Giselle and all of the ads. Um, but I think we've seen another side of him in Tampa Bay and he's very endearing. I think he's very likable. Okay, here's the only real comp, the, uh, powerful comp that I can think of of the top of my head. Villain to l- beloved. And this is before he passed away. Brady or Kobe? Because Kobe forced Shaq out of town, had all the issues in Colorado, but then really became beloved as a grown-up. Oh, that's a good one. Um, and it's almost hard for me to separate the way that people feel about Kobe now. And, and that yeah, he's gone, because now you know? that he's gone, right. Kobe clearly wins, right? Yeah. Um, but I would I would go with Brady just because even though most people did look at Kobe in a positive light, I I think Brady's still playing. Yeah. And so you're looking at Kobe and you're looking at him winning an Oscar and doing all of these things what well, he would have been doing in the next chapter of his life, yeah. his post playing career. And I think a lot of people admired him, but he wasn't in the forefront the way that Tom Brady still is. We hear mm-hmm. about Brady all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And he just right now at this stage of the game seems to do nothing wrong. He's he's making jokes and he's partying and he's throwing the Lombardi trophy off a boat. And thing. I, I think he's, he's laughing and having he's fun, more fun and having more fun than Kobe did while Kobe was a player. Right. From the 618, take it or leave it. You'd sign Marcus Simeon over Trevor Story. I'm going to leave that. Yeah, I'm going to leave that, too. I, uh, I like Marcus Simeon. And he's having a very good year, but I believe he's 32 and he just seems like the the typical dangerous Cardinal Johnny Peralta type free agent signing from the 618. Take it or leave it. LeBron should be LeBron should be compared to magic, not MJ. I think that's fair. Although magic had the five championships, but in terms of impact on the game, what they do big guy that can play essentially all five positions that comparison is more valid i think as basketball players than lebron versus mj i hear you but i also think lebron may be the only person we ever see that can actually give michael a run for his money yeah. as the goat and so i think the comparison is valid and i think the the other thing not that michael didn't play with great players and part of what differentiates LeBron is that he did carry a team that had no business the Cleveland team no business winning a championship to a championship but when you look at Magic's career playing with Hall of Famer Worthy Hall of Famer Kareem playing with guys like Norm Nixon uh, in the backcourt playing with Michael Cooper up front one of the best defensive players ever playing with Michael Thompson he just played with such Byron Scott Mm -hmm. he played with such great other players a host of Hall of Famers, it's more difficult to judge Magic's career because he never played with a secondary group. And both Michael, because I think Michael lifted people like Ron Harper and Steve Kerr and guys like that, both Michael and LeBron had to play with lesser talent around them than Magic ever did. Great point. That is Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Coming up, our fresh take. As a Cardinal fan, you've got to make one move. You get to make one move this offseason. We'll tell you what 
ours hour if you tell us what yours are next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> in St. Louis. We've got an early edition of the fight, by the way, coming up at 8.15. And if do we have a winner uh, fighter yet, Emily? So Okay, we do have a fighter, so that's a good thing. Uh, but right now, today's fresh take. The Cardinal owner, Bill DeWitt, is giving you one move this offseason, and we want to know what you're going to do. Okay? You can text in 65780. We've got mic drops. Michelle, why don't you give us your move for the Cardinals? Okay, so Bill DeWitt is giving me free reign to do whatever I want. So I'm doing my homework and I'm looking at different areas of opportunity for the this Cardinals team, areas of improvement. I'm certainly intrigued at maybe adding a starting pitcher. I'm certainly intrigued maybe of evaluating our internal approach to hitting if I'm in this position. But I think I want to use this opportunity to acquire a great player. If I'm getting one move, it's not going to be to dismantle something. It's going to be acquiring something great. And that's why I'm going out, Randy. I'm looking at all the money, the 60-plus million dollars that's coming off the books. And I'm going out and I'm getting Trevor Story. I'm bringing him to St. Louis. I really like the idea of just like Nolan Arnauto, getting him out of a bad situation and seeing if he's able to thrive here. We know what type of a player he is. And that's another thing, too. You're keeping Nolan Arnauto happy and proving to him that you want to win. And you know that those two are boys and that they've probably already had this conversation. And maybe because of that, I'm able to get him at a certain cost. Same sales pitch to Nolan Arenado. You want to come here and win? You want to come here and play with Nolan Arenado? You want to come here and most nights play in front of fans Mm -hmm. that will appreciate you? And maybe that'll put some butts in seats too. But I'm going out and getting Trevor Shorey. That's my play. That's a good play. I like it. I am going out of the box here. And I think I'm going to probably go against most of the people that have a move. Especially because... This is more of a win-now move. And I know the Cardinals are a big-picture organization, but this is my move. Michelle, I'm bringing home Max Scherzer and doing whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. And I'm putting Flaherty with Scherzer. And hopefully, when I get Max Scherzer, Adam Wainwright will want to come back. And I'm building a dominant front end of my rotation. And Scherzer is really pitching well despite... Being 35, 36 years old. He's 37. He turns 37. 38 in July. Okay. Uh, so I'm still, I'm, I'm bringing him home and doing what it takes to bring him home so that I have dominance in my rotation next year and the year after. It's a good move. I'm not mad, I'm mad at that either. So uh, we, we really want to hear your moves too. Let's hear from Jason, who joined us via the Rhino Shield mic drop. I'm one of the last fans to say this, but... I've seen enough. I've heard enough from players. I'm changing the hitting coach and the hitting approach. Time to move on. So he's moving on from Jeff Albert. And that seems to be a prevailing thought process here. If that's going to be your mic drop, because I think a lot of people are going to think that, I'm just curious who you would like to bring in. Is it bringing back Mark McGuire? Yes. Yeah, I think a lot of people (laughs) might think that, but I'm also really interested to hear if there's someone that people out there covet to bring in. Is it Jim Edmonds, who Mm -hmm. we know works with a lot of uh, players on the side and obviously has great knowledge um, and is is a great teacher when it comes to hitting. I'm just curious who, who people would like to take that spot. If Big Mac would do it, 
The offense improved under him, and he was the hitting coach for a world championship ball club. And I understand that in the decades since he's been gone, the game has changed a lot, but not that much. You don't have to have a high-level curriculum. You can have really good hitters with a low-level curriculum. Well, he's the guy who said, stick with David Freeze. I trust yeah. his eyes. <laughs> Me too. Uh, another mic drop. This is John. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Emily. The one move I would make if I was put in charge of the Cardinals by Mr. DeWitt would be to make sure that all the guests got free Emo's pizza along with a free Budweiser at every game. That way we get the butts back in the seats. Oh, and I'd add J.D. Martinez to bat fourth between Goldsmith and Arenado. Okay, I like that move if we have the DH. I also don't mind at all the idea of free emos and beer for everybody that comes to the ballpark. Maybe a soft drink for those under 21. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I would think if you need a gimmick like emos and free beer and or a soft drink, it's because the product might not be yeah. that good. I'd rather improve the product, even though I love the thought process. But it's crazy to me that I watch these highlights and it's packed in Chicago for a Cubs team that is uninspiring and that in St. Louis, even even if you've checked out on them, they still are in a race for a playoff spot and people don't want to show up. Pretty remarkable. It's shocking to me. And by the way, at their worst under the Dave Checkett's ownership, the Blues once a year would have a free food day. Oh, okay. So they and they for a team that regularly drew maybe 10, 12,000, they would sell those babies out. What do we have on the text line? All right. So from the 314, I would fire Jeff Albert and I would sign Matt Holiday as the Cardinals hitting coach. Good call. From the 314, two words, Max Scherzer. All right. We agree. We're on the same page there. Thank you for texting that, Randy. You're welcome. <laughs> From the 636, if Albert Pujols retires this year, I would bring him in as the Cardinals hitting coach. That's another out-of-the-box thought, but it's fun. I wonder if that would ever be something he would be interested in. He loves the game, mm-hmm. and he loves teaching the game to young people, too. I don't know, though, with the amount of money that he has, if he'd want to do it, but you got to ask big time from the 217 my one move would be to reset the organizational hitting approach to optimize each player's strengths instead of a one-size-fits-all approach that appears to be when you listen and read what colton wong said that appears to be an issue that there there seems to be a one-size-fits-all rather than and we don't i don't know if this is the case Rather than working individually with each hitter's strengths, you have an organizational philosophy mm-hmm. about hitting. Organizational, through the organization, yeah. every mm-hmm. tentacle of it. From the 314, I'm going with the most obvious and realistic one. How about Corey Seager? He fixes every problem you have, shortstop, left-handed, average power, and it lengthens your lineup. I like Corey Seager. That was actually my number two choice after Max Scherzer. So either way, I'm cherry-picking from the Dodgers. <laughs> a lot to pick from. From the 314, my one move, I'm firing Mo and I'm hiring Theo Epstein. Ooh, fun. Okay. That'd be interesting. Now, Theo uh, obviously is really good at tearing down and getting you into last place and then rebuilding. I just don't know, Michelle, if Cardinal Nation is going to be accepting of those three or four years of losing 95 plus games. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I mean, look at the state of this team right now and people aren't accepting yeah. of it <laughs> right you think if they were worse and knew that they had to endure a rebuild that people would 
be pumped to pay attention or to go to the ballpark? I don't think so. I don't so. think so. Let's get a couple more mic drops. Bill is with us on 101 ESPN. Hey, it's Bill from St. Louis. I want you to be signed for this year, however long it takes, however much money it takes, but to play him at second base because his range at shortstop has really declined in the last few years and played Sosa at shortstop next year. Okay, so Seager at second and Sosa at shortstop. Interesting thought, and again, outside the box. Our friend Lisa also has a mic drop for us. Good morning, everyone, at my favorite station. If I was Bill DeWitt, the change that I would make is I would move on from Mike Schilt. I honestly believe that the culture under Mike Schilt is just one of mediocrity. I, I believe that, for one thing, when Jack Flaherty went down... We didn't have a bad series. We had a bad month. I mean, a really historical bad month. Compare that to the Blues in the hand pass game. So maybe the style of Craig Berube is more my style. I do not believe in this manager. Actually, I've just not disliked a manager this much since Vern Rapp. And most of your listeners don't even know who he is. I don't want him throwing his players under, under the bus either. I happen to love him too. But there's a way to not throw your players under and not insult your fan base like we're too stupid to see what we're seeing. So my decision is to let Mike Schilt go on, be the bench coach that he is, you know, the nice, sweet one, and hopefully he takes Jeff Albert with him. All right, that's my change. Everybody have a good weekend. You too, Lisa, and a very well thought out, lucid, and uh, good argument against Mike Schilt. Can I give you one from the 618? Yes, ma'am. I would make a Doug Armstrong move and trade Matt Carpenter for Shohei Otani straight up and then get the <laughs> Angels to pay the remainder of Otani's contract. That would be a great <laughs> move. That is a singular move that would be <laughs> franchise changing for two franchises, by the way, because I have to believe that the folks in Anaheim might quit going if, if that trade were made. I'm sure that they would. But a left-handed hitter that gets on base. So we, that's what we got. Uh, we appreciate your mic drops. We appreciate your texts. We're going to do more of this at the top of the nine o'clock hour. But next up, we have an early edition of The Fight here on 101 ESPN. That's your fresh take with Carriker and Smallman. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to The Fight on Carriker and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. It is Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's an early edition of the fight today. It's 819. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And we have an early edition of the fight because we're going to talk to the head football coach of the Fighting Illini of Illinois, Brett Bielma. He's coming up next, so you're going to want to tune into that. Coach talking about Illinois' first win of the season over Nebraska. But it is time to fight, so let's welcome in Randy's challenger today. Brian is with us, not Brian who beat Randy earlier in the week. This is a different Brian. What's up, Brian? How's your Friday so far? It's wonderful. Looking forward to the weekend. Got a few grill plans, so I'm interested to hear about Randy's. I'm sure he had some. Oh, what do you have on deck, Brian? Uh, open pit barbecue chicken quarters. Ooh, that sounds delicious. You got any sides in mind? Uh, cheesy potatoes and salad. Oh, man, you've got it working, Brian. Don't expect Randy <laughs> and I to come over. That sounds great. 
<laughs> well, hopefully you can cruise into the weekend on a fight victory. So good luck to you. Thank you very much. You got it. All right. Question number one. On this day in 1984, Cardinals closer Bruce Souter broke the National League record for saves in a season with his 38th save in a 7-3 Cardinals win over the New York Mets. Who is the all-time single-season saves leader in Major League Baseball? Is it Edwin Diaz, Mariano Rivera, or Francisco Rodriguez? Uh, Rivera. On this day in 2008, former Cardinals closer Jason Mott made his MLB debut with St. Louis. Mott did not end his career with the Cardinals, though. Who did he last play for in 2017? Was it the Chicago Cubs, the Atlanta Braves, or the Colorado Rockies? Cubs. Question number three, Brian. On this day in 2008, the new Oklahoma City NBA franchise announced the team would be named the Thunder in reference to powerful storms in the area. Who was the Thunder's first draft pick in team history as the newly located franchise? Was it Russell Westbrook, James Harden, or Kevin Durant? Durant was with the Sonics. I'm going to go with Westbrook. And who has the most Silver Slugger awards as a Cardinal? Is it Edgar Renteria, Jack Clark, or Albert Pujols? Uh, What are the three options again? Edgar Renteria, Jack Clark, or Albert Pujols? I'm going to go with Renteria because that sounds like the wrong answer. (laughs) So uh, I'm assuming that it's probably going to be the right answer. So you're going with the one that sounds the least likely. That's yeah, kind of because that seems like what it should be. Okay, you know, <laughs> it's it should be poo holes, but it's not going to be. I don't think. Okay, so I'm going to go with Renteria. <laughs> Brian, everyone is zigging, you're zagging, and I respect it. Yeah. All right, we're checking <laughs> yeah. our score. Randy is coming in. Really appreciate Randy's orange polo today as we get ready to talk to Brett Bielma next segment. I I'm gonna say Illinois didn't win their first game. Nebraska lost it. Well, Just throwing that out there. I'm going to disagree wholeheartedly with you, Brian, and say that <laughs> Illinois won, and we're very pumped about it. Oh, <laughs> uh, I appreciate the. I appreciate that. But hey, I, Illinois I lost Nebraska their quarterback lost in that game. They could have. Many an Illinois team true. would have lost that game, Brian. Let me tell you. That is, that is true. That is true. <laughs> many a past Illinois team would have spiraled, even with Nebraska and the issues at hand there. So we are proud of Brett Bielma. Randy, say what's up to Brian. Different Brian oh. than earlier in the week. Brian, good to have you with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. And I talked to Michelle earlier about uh, your barbecue plans for the weekend. I'd be interested to hear about that. I'm looking forward to it. What's on deck, Randy? Do you have a plan? Uh, I've got some burgers that I'm I'm going to go back to uh, Mike Johnson's Burger Blend. Ooh. My sister's birthday is this weekend. And I said, what's your favorite food? She said, those burgers from the fourth were incredible. So I'm going to go back to those okay. and play that card again. And I might, I rarely do ribs, but I might do some ribs on Monday. We'll see. You've got the time. Yeah, I do. Long weekend. Yeah. Sounds great. And actually, with ribs, you can put them on, go play golf, come back, and they'll be ready a little after you get back. So that's a good thing, too. Sounds like your dream scenario. It really is good. (laughs) Okay, Randy, question number one for you. On this day in 1984, Cardinals closer Bruce Suter broke the National League record for saves in a season with his 38th save in a 7-3 Cardinals win over the New York Mets. Who is the all-time single-season saves leader in Major League Baseball? 
I believe it's still Francisco Rodriguez. I think he had 62 in the season. I'll go with K-Rod. On this day in 2008, former Cardinals closer Jason Mott made his MLB debut with St. Louis. Mott did not end his career with the Cardinals, though. Who did he last play for in 2017? 2017. So he was with both the Rockies and the Cubs. Trying to think of which was first, though. I think he went... First to the Cubs and then to the Rockies, but I'm not positive about that. Um, But I'm going to go, you know what? I think he ended with the Cubs. I'm going to go with the Cubs. On this day in 2008, the new Oklahoma City NBA franchise announced the team would be named the Thunder Mm. in reference to powerful storms in the area. Who was the Thunder's first draft pick in team history as the newly located franchise? Newly located Oklahoma City Thunder. What was the date here again? 2008. This date, 2008. 2008. Wow. So we had a draft in August or September. Is that right? Um, I'll do the lifeline here. Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kevin Durant. It definitely was not Durant. And we may have talked about this before, 08 being Harden. Um, so I think I will go with James Harden. And who has won the most Silver Slugger Awards as a Cardinal? Okay, the Silver Slugger came into being in the 60s. So you had Bob Gibson winning a few. You had Ted Simmons probably winning a few. But it's hard for me to imagine that anybody has won more than Albert at first base. So I will go with Albert Pujols. All right, Friday edition of the fight. Was it Brian or was it Randy? Emily, ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. Sorry, Brian. You should have zigged instead of zagging. I know. <laughs> Randy beat you three to nothing. Um, all right, let's run through our answers. So the all-time single-season saves leader in Major League Baseball is K-Rod Francisco Rodriguez, 62 in 2008. The last team that Jason Mott played for in 2017 was the Atlanta Braves. Oh, he that went, was a forgettable experience. He went to the Cubs in 15, Rockies in 17, or excuse me, Rockies in 16, Braves in 17. Okay. The Oklahoma City Thunder's first draft pick in team history as the newly located franchise was James Harden in 2009. Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook still technically Seattle Supersonics at the time. And the guy that has won the most Silver Slugger Awards as a Cardinal is, in fact, Albert Pujols. He's won five. 2003, 2004, 2008, 2009, and 2010. What a guy. What a player. Brian, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for playing and enjoy your barbecue over the weekend. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. You too, Brian. Take care. Brian with us on 101 ESPN. Next up, we're going to go back to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And friend of the show, the Illini head coach, Brett Bielma, joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 
Brett Bielema's Fighting Illini won their opener last Saturday, 30-22 over Nebraska. They play Texas San Antonio tomorrow night, 640 at Memorial Stadium in Champaign. And joining us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN in St. Louis is the head coach of Illinois, Brett Bielema. Coach with Michelle Smallman, this is Randy Carricker. As always, thanks for taking some time. Good morning. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Michelle. Well, let's start with this. Good to get that uh, that first one under your belt and have it be a win. It was. Uh, it was a great day. Um, you know, I think just to return to college football, to have fans in the stands, to have a nice crowd here, uh, just a lot of positives. We uh, we didn't want to, but we turned it into a four-quarter game, so we kept everybody engaged uh, uh, throughout, and it was just a, an all-around great day. Yeah, congrats on the first win, Coach. It was great. Um, were you able to savor it at all? Because that is your first win at the program. Week zero, it was a great win. But I'm just wondering if you were able to soak it in at all or if it's on to the next one, on to UTSA. You know, uh, I learned early on in my uh, coaching career, especially uh, as a head coach, you've you got to enjoy them all, right? Um, you got to take them all in, take a moment to breathe. So it was a noon kickoff, so we were able to get done uh, midday. Um I, I got a lot of obligations. Obviously, had the media, um, had recruits here on campus, um, did a variety of different things here in the office. I was able to uh, take a deep breath and enjoy it with my family and friends. Uh, um, but uh, Sunday comes around quickly, and, and uh, on to the next one. Uh, Coach, earlier in the show, we were talking about Gus Malzahn, who talked about his post-win ritual is going to Waffle House. He has an order that he has. Is there anything that you do after a victory? Do you have any sort of ritual? No, it's definitely not a waffle house. Uh, but I would, I would say, uh, you know, uh, one of the one of the things that's kind of evolved, uh, you know, from being a head coach the last thirteen years is just really just to spend time with my wife uh, and and the girls. That was able to get home and give them a hug. They they actually uh, uh, stayed home. They're quite not quite to the age where they can sit through an entire football game. So um, was, was able to get home and uh, my two daughters talked about seeing me on TV. It was kind of one of those moments you just really truly appreciate. We don't. We as coaches don't get a lot of time at home, so anytime you can get there and kind of be around them, that's that's the ritual I need. Coach, in that opener, you get a defensive touchdown from Calvin Hart. You get the safety. And I know every coach likes to score on defense, but how much will that be part of your defensive identity? Not just getting turnovers, but having your defense score points for you. Well, Randy, I think the, the part that we hope for as coaches is just to be uh, a defense team that's opportunistic, right? So, like, if uh, if that opportunity is there to get the scoop and score was just icing on the cake. But, um, you know, that in that particular situation, we had went into a two-minute offense um, and uh, were able to advance the ball a little bit. We unfortunately turned the ball over, um, our only turnover of the day, where we put the ball on the ground. So our offense, unfortunately, gave us a turnover, but our defense went out there and, and, and balanced it right back with a turnover and score. So we, we talk all the time about being a – a complimentary football team, right? Having the offensive, defense, and special teams, you know, kind of complement one another. And that was the truest definition right there at the end of the half for, for us to have. Coach, do you have any update on quarterback Brandon Peters? I know yesterday you said he was progressing nicely after that shoulder injury last week, but do you have any sort of timeline for him? You know, um, one thing I've learned as a head coach, right? They call me head coach for a reason. I don't try to be a doctor. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of laying in their hands. They uh, have been very impressed with just the way BP is. Um, you know, uh, basically come back is, you know, everybody's built a little different, right? Everybody's got a little different genetic makeup. Um, everybody responds differently. Uh, I would say the overall uh, feeling from, from being around uh, BP this week was he came back a lot quicker than they had thought. Um, uh, isn't quite there yet, but there's a very good chance he could be with us this week, if not next week. And um, that's a positive for us. And But 
more importantly for him, he's a kid that's a you know a six year senior, came back for all the right reasons and, and excited. But uh, I want to tell you, he was he was cheering for Art as, as loud as anybody on Saturday. This team really believes in you know helping one another out, taking a step in the right direction, which is a huge part of why we hopefully are going to have success. Love that mentality. And even if uh, BP isn't able to go, you have to be impressed with what you saw out of Art Sikowski when he came in and uh, Brandon Peters' relief. I was really impressed not only with his play coach, but with his poise in a big moment like that. You know, Michelle, he is uh, mature beyond his years. He, he really is a kid that uh, really is unflappable. He, he takes the moment. Um, his preparation is the same every day. You know, as a coach, I always say one of the greatest values we can have is to be consistent. And, and he is definitely one of those guys that um, Monday through Friday is, is the same guy every day. Um, Saturday, I didn't know. You know, I've never been through a game with him. I've seen game tape on him. I've seen him compete, but I've never been through that moment. And he handled that thing as, as well as anybody could ever handle it. The Atlanta coach, Brett Bielma, with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coach, we've all seen, heck, you were in the Big Ten. You remember App State going into Michigan. And kids throughout the course of the week, you get a win over Nebraska. They're on social media seeing how great they were. People on campus saying, hey, congratulations on the win. How do you get your team's attention for a week going into a game like this, coming off of a win like you had last week? Well, uh, you know, the, the part as a coach we said on Sunday, which is, you know, truly one of those moments you just learn with time is uh, to have the teaching moments we had on Saturday and to be able to learn from them on Sunday uh, after a win. It's always kids when you, when you lose a game, right? Uh, they're just not as receptive to learning and teaching. They're pissed. They're mad. They're upset. Um, but when you win a game, they, they realize, Hey, we, we were able to do this, but we still did these things that can take away from us winning. So we were able to show them, listen, you played a game, but, Here's what you did wrong. Here's some things that we can correct. Um, we learn from Nebraska's mistakes as well. One of the things I do as a coach is I show them the mistakes they made, right, and and what possibly might have turned us uh, into into the winners in that game. So we really try to learn from both sides of, of the coin, right, from the offensive, defensive point of view that we had, but also from our opponent. Coach, you had 41,000 in the house, and you've got a lot of people here in St. Louis, Illinois grads that were fired up watching that on TV. And I know that as a coach, that's the the big thing. Winning games fills up the the house and gives you a better opportunity to win. What are you hoping for tomorrow night? You know, um, what I've tried to do is just concentrate on task. I do do try to do everything I can from interviews like this to uh, anything that I can agree to as a coach to, uh, you know, keep building our brand, right? And I know it's, it's... you know, important for people to realize that, you know, we want to have success, but a lot of that is tied to the energy in the crowd and the people that are around us. Um, I, I can't stress to our players enough to uh, be thankful about the, the crowd they, they play in front of. And, and for us, um, the more we can represent the people of Illinois, uh, obviously Michelle is a grad like and, and is a fan and people that aren't here at the game, um, you know, our goal is to have as many Illinois supporters from state to state, um, from coast to coast as we possibly can. And and hopefully continue to build this brand. And, Coach, I attended a small school, Lindenwood, here in the St. Louis area. But this morning I'm wearing my Illini orange shirt. So I'm a fan. I love it. We converted him, I Coach. Love it, Randy. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> you got it. Um, one more from me, Coach. It's it's always a delicate balance as the head football coach of a, of a program like Illinois or anywhere, really, because you have the task at hand where you're focusing on the game week to week, but you always have one eye towards the future when it comes to recruiting as well. You really have to find a way to balance your time there. But coming out first win as the head coach of the program, a week zero win, Big Ten win, what does that do for recruiting, going out and starting the season? in the way that your program did? 
yeah, the way the NCAA rules work, we actually kind of opened the door this week uh, or midweek for some recruiting that, that could begin to happen. Um, we had over 180 uh, recruits and their families uh, here last week, and we'll have another big number this week. So uh, any positive juice we can get is, is great. Um, I, I think our guys uh, have wired themselves into it. We have a recruiting staff here that uh, you know is, is hopefully ahead of the curve on everything that we're doing. So there is a lot of positive out there. Social media, we were one of the – a uh, few teams that was able to play last week had the best viewing of any college football game. So I think there's a lot of positives going out there. But uh, like you say, like it's it's about what we've done, right? So we have the win behind us, but it's about what we have in front of us tomorrow. And Coach, I'll tell you, going into grocery stores and, and convenience stores here in the area, especially uh, on Sunday after the game, people were talking about it. People saying, hey, did you watch the Illini? So uh, you've got people excited here in St. Louis, and we're looking forward to tomorrow night and uh, another, hopefully, W for the Fighting Illini. We thank you for taking your time, the time with us this morning, Coach. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Michelle. I-L-L. I and I, Coach. We'll I get him I. tomorrow. Yep. All right. That's Coach Brett Bielma joining us on 101 ESPN. He's great, and we enjoy his time. And next week, they play at UVA. And next week, by the way, we're going to have Chris Long on the show. We're going to get him so that Michelle and Chris can bet on something. <laughs> In the Illinois UVA game. I haven't texted him yet and presented this to him, but I'm sure he'll be down. He'll do it. For a little bet. A little friendly wager. I would think so. I would be shocked if he didn't. What is the best orange and blue program? We're going to find out. We are. And great to hear from Coach Bielma. I'm sure that we'll hear from him again before the Illini and UVA. And again, tomorrow, tickets available for the Illini game against UTSA at Memorial Stadium, and it starts at 630. The night games are fun. And Michelle, obviously, you're more familiar with that atmosphere than I am, but I've been to Illinois games when it was rolling, mm-hmm. and it, it's a great atmosphere. It is really fun. Uh, like any big 10 football pro- or SEC, I mean, any big-time Power 5 school, when you are good and the tailgating is there, and there, it's a it's a great day of crescendo, right? You wake up, you tailgate, you go to the game, hopefully you win, and then you get to celebrate in town afterwards. Champagne has missed that. We really haven't had that feeling in a long time, and it was great to see so many people show up at the game. <laughs> Oh, Oh, you surprised me with that. So this morning, later on in the morning, we're going to be giving away a four-pack of tickets to next Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash Cards and Dodgers. Uh, Get all the details for next Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash at cardinals.com slash promotions. But we're putting together the phrase that pays, Michelle. Yes, we are. So in the 7 o'clock hour, we gave away our first word. I can't reveal it because you had to be listening at that time to get the first word. But the second word, the 8 o'clock hour word in the phrase that pays is love. The second word of the phrase that pays is love. So keep that one in mind. Remember that. If you remember what you heard in the first hour, you'll hear another word in the third hour. And then all you need to do is text in and have the phrase that pays and we'll have a number for you what texture you need to be with the phrase that pays here on 101 espn coming up next it's the last weekend that we'll have without the nfl until february so we're going to give you some nfl news and notes next on 101 espn we're right back to the character and smallman podcast on 101 espn Time for NFL news and notes on Character and Smallman. Michelle, what do we have? 
Uh, the first story, Randy, let's head to Tampa Bay. So the Atlanta Falcons were the first team in the NFL to say that they've re- reached the 100% vaccination status. The Tampa Bay Bucks are the second team on that list. Their head coach, Bruce Arians, announced yesterday that they were 100% vaccinated. He said our entire organization, all the players, all the coaches, everybody vaccinated. Michelle, you can't really have a team unless everybody is vaccinated because the non-vaccinated players, according to NFL protocols, basically have to stay away from the people that are vaccinated. There's real issues. So, for example, Carson Wentz in Indianapolis, he, he can't be around other people. He can't be within close contact in terms of transportation, in terms of going out with teammates. You can't do the things that the Buccaneers will be able to do. This might not seem like a big deal. I think it's a huge deal for Tampa Bay in that they'll be able to operate within their building and on the road as they did before there was a pandemic. Unless you have 100% participation in getting vaccinations, you can't do that. And it must be nice for Bruce Arians as the head coach to not have any of those protocols or the threat of missing any players potentially be because of the protocols away from him. Just knowing that everybody is good to go and that they have put themselves because because of that, based on the protocols and a better position to win. Right. And regardless of what you think of getting vaccinated or not, the fact of the matter is it's going to be a much smoother ride for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers than it will be for the Baltimore Ravens or it will be for the Indianapolis Colts, who, especially at quarterback, have unvaccinated guys. Vikings, too, with Kirk Cousins not getting vaccinated. <laughs> So a lot of franchises out there excited about their rookie quarterbacks. And a lot of people are really pumped about Zach Wilson with the New York Jets, including Tony Romo, who did not hold back his praise for Zach Wilson. Listen to what he said, Randy. He said, quote, it's rare for me to say someone has the ability to get in the stratosphere of a Patrick Mahomes. But I think this kid actually has that ability. So when you have a quarterback like that, I think there's no telling how good you can be. He can make up for a lot of weaknesses and a lot of areas for a football team. I think Zach Wilson is going to be in the Discussion as one of the top three to five quarterbacks in the NFL very quickly. Within the next couple of years, I think you're going to see him rise. I think he's unbelievable. His ceiling is so high. Couple of points there. Number one, I hope the Jets don't ruin him. I hope so because too. they've ruined some other people. Number two, for Tony Romo to say that is unusual because I don't think that he's a guy that is given to regular doses of hyperbole. And I hope that's the case. Number three, Had you ever heard of Zach Wilson before last season? No. Early in the season, we started hearing about him. But I I always, right after drafts, I I read like the mock drafts for the next year. And I I read Mel Kuypers and the other uh, lists of top players. And he was nowhere to be seen after the 2019 season. And then, in of all things, a COVID season, he becomes a superstar. And I thought he looked great at BYU. But for Tony Romo to say, to put him in the same sentence as Patrick Mahomes, that's high praise. And I trust Tony Romo's observation of quarterbacks more than my own. So I'm going to buy in here. High praise, high pressure. Yeah. When you have someone like Tony Romo comparing you to Patrick Mahomes. But I don't think he would say something like that or make that comparison. And this was on a CBS sports conference call. So, I mean, Mm. to obviously other people in the media. I don't think he would say something like that, knowing that it's going out into the public, unless he truly believed it. And is it, do you put like more weight on something that somebody like Tony Romo says, because when we watch him on the broadcast, the Mm -hmm. way he sees the game is unbelievable. Yeah, I do. It's 
it's not just an evaluator giving a hot take or being forced into saying something. When he says something, it happens nine times out of ten. So clearly he's seeing a lot of special attributes in Zach Wilson. He's kind of a football savant. Yes. And to me, the great ones, Mahomes, when you look at what he had last year on the offensive line, when you look at Aaron Rodgers with the, the level of wide receiver talent around him, the great ones are able to elevate the play of the guys they play with. So that's why I think Wilson, if he's what Romo says he can be, they might be good sooner rather than later because he, if he's like Mahomes, should be able to lift the talent that the Jets have to a higher level than they ever dreamed. But circling back to your original point, I hope the Jets do not ruin him. If there is an organization in football capable of ruining a guy, there's two of them. It's well, actually, I think the Jets kind of stand out. I mean, look at what Le'Veon Bell was before he became a Jet. <laughs> look what Sam Darnold was supposed to be before he became a Jet. I might throw the Washington football team in that mix, even though we love Ron yeah, Rivera. They're a train wreck, yeah. But it's from the, the top down. Yep. So the NFC East, speaking of the Washington football team, is going to be an interesting division again Mm -hmm. with the Washington football team, the Eagles, the Giants, the Cowboys. I think most people expect the Cowboys to be the cream of the crop there, but you never really know what the NFC East is. It's always um, a dumpster fire, if you will, in one way, shape, or form. And I think most people are looking at the Eagles, and they're expecting them to be average, maybe an 8-9 team at best, except for ESPN NFL analyst Chris Mortensen. He was on with Barton Hahn, and he says, not so fast, my friend. They might surprise you. The Carson Wentz uh, negativity started because he was the only guy who wasn't injured on that offense, and he didn't play very well under those circumstances. Their entire offensive line was injured. They lost, like, we're talking about Pro Bowl caliber linemen. Mm -hmm. They lost tight ends, uh, and and they had receivers who were either over the hill or too young. And so, but I think they've got it together, and their defensive line is six or seven deep. And I think their scheme is going to be sound. The key is obviously the quarterback. And Jalen Hurts, that will be the key. If he's playing well that first four, five, six weeks, then yes, I think that the Eagles are very much in contention with the Washington football team, the Cowboys, and the Giants. I'm not buying what Mort is selling here. Nick Sirianni was kind of a throwaway head coaching pick. I and the staff that he put together because he put it together so late is just not at least from a name standpoint a historical standpoint in terms of accomplishments of what they have been able to do in the NFL I I don't know and Mort would know more than me but uh, Shane Steichen as their offensive coordinator just don't know uh, don't know much about their quarterbacks coach Brian Johnson who's charged with developing Jalen Hurts don't know much about uh, their defensive coaches at all. Uh, and so I, because I don't know, uh, in fact, uh, as I go through this list, I don't know any of their assistants. I, I know Tracy Rocker because he played. I know Denard Wilson because he played. I don't know any of these guys as coaches. So that's where my question comes from. They're very, very inexperienced, and I don't know if they can go up against a Rivera staff, a McCarthy staff, even a Joe Judge staff, and go to -to toe-to-toe in terms of coaching with them. I'm not saying they're going to be bad. I'm just saying that I don't know. 
Also, we were just talking about hot messes in the NFL organizations that were a hot mess. The Eagles right there with the Doug mm-hmm. Peterson, Howie Roseman, power struggle dynamic, the drama with Carson Wentz. And obviously, Doug Peterson's not there anymore. But we don't even know that the dust has settled on all of that or that they made the right choice in choosing, choosing Howie Roseman over Doug Peterson. No, that's a great point. So there's a lot of things to look at there. And really, organizationally, the the coaching staff and the players, they're growing. It's just here. Let's take a look at that offensive line that Mort mentioned, because they did have a lot of injuries last year, but they've lost Jason Peters. They've got Jordan Mailata at left tackle. Uh, Andre Dillard, former first round draft choice, is not starting. Isaac Ciamalo is their left guard. He's been around. Jason Kelsey's very good at center. Brandon Book Brooks at right guard and Lane Johnson at right tackle. So if those guys can stay healthy, at least on the right side of their offensive line, they can be okay. But they still have a very young, inexperienced and haven't done anything group of receivers and Greg Ward and Jalen Rager and Devontae Smith. And then you don't know about Jalen Hurts at quarterback. So I, I look at them as a question mark, but I, I hope they wind up being good. Their first seven games at Atlanta versus the 49ers at Dallas versus the Chiefs at Carolina versus Tampa Bay at home and then the Raiders. I've got a couple of wins in there. Which ones? Atlanta, Atlanta, Carolina, Carolina maybe. maybe Dallas. Doubt it. I don't think they beat Dallas. No. So, and, and the Raiders maybe could give them a third. So three and four start, not great. Not great. And finally, Randy, our Miami Dolphins, mm-hmm. head coach Brian Flores says, Tua Tungavailo, he's our guy. Tua says, I appreciate his support internally, and we are on to New England. That's all I care about <laughs> is focusing on New England. So it seems like all of the information that we are getting from people within the Dolphins organization publicly is that the Deshaun Watson rumors, don't worry about them. Tua's the guy. But ESPN NFL insider Jeff Darlington, again, says, not so fast, my friend. We'll see what happens during the season. If you go back and look last year at their point point differential in a lot of the games they lost they did what a lot of teams that are on the brink of being good do and they lose games by small margins i know that's you know no moral victories and all that stuff but i i do believe this is a team with a really solid defense that is on the rise and i am fascinated to see if tua can be the franchise guy for this team and what happens if he's not i think that is absolutely that will become a massive storyline if Tua starts to struggle and Deshaun Watson is still out there doing whatever Deshaun Watson's doing these days. Yeah, what is he doing these days? Yeah, that is, that will be a storyline. But it seems to me as if the Dolphins have drawn a line in the sand. They are not going to look very good if they go out and get Deshaun Watson after what their head coach said this week about how we build this organization, everybody in this organization needs to have a high level of character. And you are bringing in, obviously, character if you're bringing in Deshaun Watson. And I'm not concerned about Tua. If Tua gets the ball into the hands of Devontae Parker and Albert Wilson and Jalen Waddell, I really think that he's going to be fine. He just needs to get the ball into the hands of his playmakers. That's the way that offense is set up. I wonder if he does struggle, which we clearly hope that he doesn't because we're a Dolphin show. Mm -hmm. I wonder if then Brian Flores will be forced to say something publicly, actually addressing the Deshaun Watson thing, not beating around the bush or anything like that, because the last thing you want if your quarterback is even showing a little bit of uh, minimal signs of struggle is to have all these rumors out there that you're maybe still interested in Deshaun Watson, because even though he 
reiterated reiterated with his team internally. He never publicly said, no, we are not interested in Deshaun Watson. He said things about Mm -hmm. high character and we support Tua. We're focused on the guys that we have in-house. But that is not a direct no. And I wonder at what point in the season, if these rumors persist, is he going to be forced to say no? And if I'm the Dolphins, I don't make a move until I know that I'm going to have Deshaun Watson and that he's not going to wind up in jail. And then you can say, well, we've done all of our due diligence into the guy. We know that he's great in the locker room. We know he's a great leader on the football field. You don't even talk about things that happened outside. You deflect, you pivot, and just only talk about what he can do for your football team. That would be my approach if if I'm Brian Flores and my organization goes above my head to trade for that guy. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Those are your NFL news and notes on 101 ESPN. Coming up, more from you on your one move. Today's big thing is your big move. As a Cardinal fan, Bill DeWitt has given you the opportunity to make one move this offseason. So what are you going to do with it? Send us your text or your mic drop. You're next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's 9.06 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Carriker and Smallman with you. And today's big thing is coming up. Don't forget the fast lane headed to Chicago at the end of September for a special trip to Wrigleyville. And you could win a way in on the fun, courtesy of Walter Knoll Florist. Visit any of Walter Knoll's four area locations now through next Sunday, September 12th. Find the QR code in the store and get entered to win a free weekend in the Windy City that includes a two-night hotel stay, an invitation to an all-inclusive happy hour with the fast lane, a $100 gas card and more. Get all the details on this Chicago trip giveaway with Walter Nolan, the fast lane at 101 ESPN.com. We wanted to hear from you. You have one move that Bill DeWitt Jr. is going to provide you. And then that's it. You are done. You get one offseason move for the Cardinals and I have chosen going out and getting Max Scherzer to add to the rotation. He's a free agent. You can get free agents. You can make personnel moves. And Michelle's move is different than mine. I want to go out and acquire Trevor Story. We're just going to make the St. Louis Cardinals the the home for weary former Colorado Rockies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And hopefully he wants to come here. I'm assuming he does based on maybe conversations he's had with Nolan Arenado. We know he's not happy in Colorado. I wonder if that might... Uh, impact the price at all, the asking price for him to come to a place that he hopes he could potentially win. And it seems like the Cardinals might be exploring the shortstop market anyway. And so that would be the move that I would go out and do. There was a report at the trade deadline that the Cardinals were talking about story with the Rockies on trade deadline day. We've got texts, we've got mic drops, we've got Janet on 101 ESPN. My one move would be a great closer that could actually close out games every time reliably without blowing the lead. So let's give Janet Craig Kimbrell, okay? Jordan Hicks. Oh, that would be a good, but that you don't even have to make a move. I know. That's why I don't know if that yeah. would be the move I would make. Yeah, right. How about text 65780 on the Air Comfort Service text line? From the 618, one move that I would make to would be to make Jose Okendo the new manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. That would be really interesting. I always thought he'd be an excellent manager. I did too. And uh, unfortunately, he just never got the opportunity because I think he would have been great as well. 
This is an interesting one, Randy, from the 217. Since everyone's going to suggest Seeger or Story, I'm making a deal for Nick Castellanos. That dude, you absolutely hate him when he's on the other team, but you absolutely love him when he's on yours. I just love having dudes that play with fire and intensity, and my boy Castellanos fits the bill. Sign me up. All right. He is going to be available, and you'd probably... What would you do? Would you put Carlson in center and Castellanos in right? And, and so you would have, he'd probably replace Bader, right? You'd have O'Neill, Carlson, Castellanos. Would you go that way? I don't know because. You could put him in left. He, 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 Instead of Tyler O'Neill? He's a better hitter than Tyler O'Neill is. Yeah, because I don't know if I want to sacrifice the defense that Harrison Bader is going to provide you. Yeah. Um, you could put Carlson and left and Castellanos and right, too. A lot of things you can do. Mix and match. Yeah. And by the way, we will have the DH next year in the National League. So you could t- you could have a rotating outfield and then your DH on another day. Let's get to a mic drop. This is Jake on 101 ESPN. If I got to make one move this offseason, it would definitely be for Corey Seager. Uh, The left-handed bat in the middle of the lineup to kind of help balance the kind of right-handed heaviness, I think, uh, makes all the sense in the world. Uh, Plus, you add in another left-handed bat with Gorman coming up at some point in the middle of next season. Uh, You really give the lineup really good length, and I think uh, that lineup would really be able to match just about any other lineup in the rest of the National League. Uh, So that would be my decision. And oh, by the way, Seager from North Carolina, Mike Schilt from North Carolina. Hey. So they're kindred spirits, I'm sure. It's amazing to me that we're talking about the possibility of the Dodgers letting Corey Seager go. And granted, they do have Trey Turner and they have Gavin Lux, who, by the way, they sent down. They have to re-sign Chris Taylor. But Corey Seager, to me, is a guy that the Dodgers should re-sign. They really... For as great as they are, have a lot of players that have not had great years. And Corey Seager this year, 363 on base, 437 slug, 800 OPS out of the shortstop position. Man, if I'm the Dodgers, I want to keep him around. But if he's available to the Cardinals, that's a great choice. Yes, it is. How about this text, Randy, from the 314? I would make, if I had one move, the move I would make, I would trade Jeff Albert for any other hitting coach. Well, You can remove Jeff Albert from the equation. That's the move that you get. And then the Cardinals, yes, they could go out and pursue other hitting coaches. From the 931, if I could make one move, I'd trade away the systems and analytics mindset. It just doesn't seem to be working for the Cardinals. Then you have to, and again, Bill DeWitt is allowing you to make one move. You can do that. You can say, okay, we are not going to be an analytics-based organization anymore. Every organization in baseball at some level is analytically inclined. It's go- it's here. It's a great tool. The problem is, is that when you're paralyzed, when you're owned by analytics, you should use analytics and not have analytics use you. What'd you call it? Paralysis by analysis? Totally. A hundred percent. Literally, right? Yes. Blake Snell, anyone? Yeah. yeah. Um, from the 636, and I love where this person's head's at. If I can make one move, I'm lowering the price of beer by 50%. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And that's still enough of a profit so that when they sell a beer at the ballpark, they're still going to make good money. How much is a beer? 13 bucks right now? Who knows? For a big old cup of beer? It's probably ounce? in that ballpark. Yeah, 13, 13, 50. Yeah, so you cut it down to 
seven bucks for a beer. That's still a lot for a beer. They can make a lot of money. You're still paying a lot of money, and that's cutting 50. Heck, I would cut it by more. I'd cut it by 60%. They should have something where if the Cardinals win the next day, the next home game, beers are two bucks. Yeah. Encourage people oh, to keep yeah. coming. Not only do you want to come see right. a team that won, but beers are two bucks. I'm there. Yeah, that's a great idea. Okay, one more for you, Randy. Okay. Uh, if I could make one move, I'm bringing in Nick Castellanos, but he's my DH. That's a good play. Nothing wrong with that. I like that move a lot. Hey, we had so much input from this, and we really do appreciate you joining us uh, with that on 101 ESPN. And that is today's big thing. We are going to provide you with the opportunity to uh, get some tickets to the 314 Club at the Ascension Charity Classic. We've got some uh, grounds passes as well, and you can win them now. And we're going to take texters. Let's take texters numbers 9 and 10. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll take texter number 9 right now. And what the question is, Jay Delsing joined us earlier. What was Jay Delsing's best round as a PGA Tour pro? What was his score as a in a round as a PGA Tour pro. And we're going to give away a couple of sets of these today. But right now, that's the one that you have to tell us. What was that number? Texter number nine will get it. And speaking of the Ascension Charity Classic, Nick Ragone is going to join us and tell us about ticket availability, parking, and ancillary items we need to know about next week. He's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. One, two, three, four. Congratulations to Tori Turlin. Tori knew that Jay Delsing's best round in a PGA Tour event was a 61. A 61 was the best score that he ever achieved. He'll hope to do better than that at the Ascension Charity Classic next week. And Nick Ragone from the Ascension Charity Classic joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Nick, it's great to have you with us. Always good to talk to you. And first of all, I want to ask how things are going. Here, Here you are, your last week of preparation. If they're going, they couldn't go better. I mean, to think that uh, October 8, 2019, we had a press conference at Norwood. This was still a vision. And to think we're a week out exactly now, and it's uh, it's extraordinary. I was out there yesterday. For anybody that hasn't seen Norwood the last 10 days, the build-out looks like a PGA Tour event. There's seven or eight holes with cabanas and tents. I mean, it looks like, it sort of looked like Belle Reve. It does not look like a PGA Tour Champions event. I think we're, the weather is going to be spectacular. I've been studying the weather charts the last three weeks. Uh, the weather's going to be great. The field is fantastic. Uh, and I think uh, it's going to have a major feel to it. It's going to be the the most fan-attended PGA Tour Champions event of the year. And, Nick, if people still want to get involved, how can they do so? Go to ascensioncharityclassic.com. We still have daily passes. We have weekly passes. We have a couple of Club 314 tickets left, which is the VIP seating where you can eat and drink and watch great golf. And uh, Or if you have a friend, uh, there's so many corporate sponsors that have a tent or a cabana, hit them up and get an invite to that because uh, the tents and skyboxes look amazing. And by the way, Jay also holds the course record at Norwood at 64, Delsing that is. So uh, I'm really hoping, I want to see a top 10 from Jay. Both Jay, we have two Jays in the field, Jay Delsing. 
Helsing, Jay Williamson. So St. Louis is going to be represented. And I've been saying in the interviews, the PGA Tour champion players, they're going to be in for a surprise. Norwood is going to play tough. Uh, it's it's firm. It's fast. And, and the two Jays have a lot of local knowledge. And so I'm, I'm hoping they make some noise on the weekend. Nick Rigon from the Ascension Charity Classic with us on 101 ESPN. And the tournament itself starts on Friday, but Thursday people can go through the gates and there are tea times uh, throughout the day for the Pro-Am, right? Yeah, the tournament officially starts Friday, but we open it up on Thursday for the Pro-Am. We actually have, we're the only event this year that has three days of Pro-Ams, which tells you a lot about St. Louis, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then, uh, so on Thursday, we'll open up the gates, and the Pro-Ams are a lot of fun because you can get inside the ropes and really watch the players. They're pretty loosey-goosey. And then we also have a kids' clinic later that afternoon that Accenture's putting on. Uh, That's going to be a lot of fun, too, with some of the PGA Tour champion players. And then Friday morning, it starts for real, and we have a championship on our hand. And, of course, Saturday, for those that are going to come out uh it's going to be special we're going to have jack nicholas and ozzy teaming up against tom watson and coach baruby playing for twenty five thousand dollars for pga reach and first tee in the legends challenge and it may be the last time we get to see jack playing golf in missouri you know he doesn't play a lot anymore uh, tom uh, obviously a missouri native so it's going to be a very special and it's the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and we're going to have a ceremony that morning uh, to commemorate the, the victims of 9-11 Amazing, Nick. Well, I'm sure a lot of people are listening, and here in St. Louis, any big sporting event, people want to be involved. You just listed the the names of a lot of the big stars that are going to be there. But one of the great things about the Ascension Charity Classic, as you just mentioned, is the the impact that you're having from a philanthropic standpoint. So can you talk a little bit about that? So for people wanting to buy tickets, they know that there is an entirely different reach and impact that uh, where their money is going. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we created the event two years ago, I told the PGA Tour there was two conditions. One is it had to be in North County and it had to be in Norwood because we wanted to bring a major sporting event to North County. And two, all the proceeds had to go to charities, in our case, the Urban League Boys and Girls Club in Marygrove, three charities in North County uh, that serve youth and are doing an extraordinary job, particularly during COVID. And so we last year, even without an event, I know you guys know this, we, we raised $225,000 for the Urban League Boys and Girls Club in Marygrove. First time in the history of the PGA Tour that a tournament has donated that much money without playing a single shot in its event history. So it's a good, we were sad we didn't play, but that's a good way to start. And this year we think we're going to, I don't want to give out a number yet, but we think that we're going to be, my goal was within five years to be the most charitable tournament on tour. You know, there's an outside shot. It might be year one. I'll just put it that way. And that speaks everything you need to know about this community. Our corporate partners, Emerson, has been extraordinary worldwide. Um, Centene, Enterprise, Ameren, the state of Missouri, Missouri Tourism. And it speaks a lot about our fan base. You know, Bell Reeve in 2018, they set records for attendance. And we want to show the rest of the country, you know, we're the only professional golf next week. There's no PGA Tour event. We'll be live on the Golf Channel all three days. And it's a, a chance for us to showcase to the rest of the country how special St. Louis is, how special North County is, and how special Missouri is. And that's a really, really unique opportunity. Nick Ragone, parking is always something that people are interested in for a golf event in St. Louis. And obviously, not everybody can park at Norwood. So what are going to be the some of the tips that of the tips and tricks that you will tell us uh, as far as parking and getting to Norwood. 
Well, the good news, we, it's only tips, no tricks. It's really easy. We um, Express Scripts, another great partner of ours, and I'm going to thank them and their team. Uh, they gave us their parking lot for the, the week. And so we're going to have shuttle buses running every day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, from 7 a.m., 7 p.m. It's about a four-minute ride. It's going to be very easy. You know, Norwood's a great piece. It's a big piece of property. There's a lot of parking in that area, so we, we got volunteer parking separately, and then we have the Express Scripts shuttle. And it's going to make it really easy. And I think one of the challenges with the PGA at Bell Reeve was, you know, shuttling was a little bit challenging at times. I think it's going to be very, very easy. Just go out to Express Scripts and take the shuttle. It's going to run all day, uh, every fifteen, uh, every half hour. And it's going to. We're trying to make this a very fan friendly event. This is year one. The weather, if anybody has checked, and I have a lot, it's going to be spectacular. So what a great way to spend a few days outside um, in community again with friends in a safe way outside, drinking, eating, watching great golf, and hopefully having a, a, a historic finish. And finally, Nick, I want to circle back to the 314 Club because you've been kind enough. The Ascension Charity Classic uh, presented by Emerson has been kind enough to provide us some 314 Club tickets to give away. You mentioned at the top that there are still some of those available. Tell us about the 314 Club. Yeah, Club 314 is really cool. It's, it's modeled after what the PGA did at Bell Reeve, where it's kind of an area where you get a ticket and it's uh, uh, under the cabana on a hole, overlooking, you know, with patio seating where you can order food, drink, eat, sit down, relax. You know, for the, for the golf enthusiast, you're going to walk the course. For somebody who likes golf but might not be a golf nerd like me, you want to sit at Club 314, uh, order some food, have a cocktail, watch a lot of great golf. Again, the weather is going to be fantastic. And, and the view I'm going to tweet out some pictures of the build-out and where the Club 314 passes are. It's spectacular. I mean, it it is so beautiful, and people are going to really enjoy it. You know, this is a long-term commitment. This is not one and done um, like a major championship. We'll be back next year, and we're going to make it even better. We want this to be a tentpole event where the entire – business community in St. Louis begins to move more major things, events, sporting events to North County. And so, and I want to thank you guys. You've been very supportive. The whole golf community and the media community has been great. And uh, when Nick tweets out those pictures, you can follow him on Twitter at Nick Ragone, R-A-G-O-N-E, Nick Ragone too. Nick, great to have you with us. So looking forward to next week. Thanks for what you and uh, the folks at Ascension and the folks at Emerson and the Missouri Division of Tourism have done to bring this event to St. Louis. It's going to be a great event on the St. Louis calendar, and we can't wait till next week. And we're, we're going to see you out there, right, the both of you? You betcha. Yes. I'm going to be following Jay Delson, but, you know, don't call him Brooksy. He doesn't like that if you scream <laughs> yeah. out Brooksy. We, we actually, that, w- that was Michelle and I's plan, is we're going to get out there because we want to follow Jay. All right, I'll see you guys out there. Thank you. All right, thanks, you, Nick. Nick. Nick Ragone with us on 101 ESPN. Again, parking at Express Scripts, and you'll get a shuttle right there. So we've already given away one pair of tickets to Club 314 to uh, Tori Turlin, but we've got another one, Michelle. So generous of us today on a Friday. Well, thanks to Nick. Thank He's you. Thank you to Nick for allowing us to be Sports Santa today. So if you've been listening, you know where Jay Delsing set his PGA Tour uh, low round. Tori Turlin and many others knew that it was a 61. What was the tournament, though? What was the tournament in which Jay Delsing set his career low best round? Text in, texter number 15 will get the Club 314 tickets. And coming up on 101 ESPN, you're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> All right, here we go with... You're killing me, Smalls. 
I'm coming to you with some great television news that I am thrilled about, Randy. This is where we're starting. So you know that I loved the Netflix show on Formula One, Drive to Survive. Yes. I thought it was so well done, mm-hmm. and it got so many people captivated about a sport that they probably didn't know a lot about prior. And they did a, re- a really good job of showing what the sport was about, but also introducing you to the personalities behind the sport. And I thought that that was something that baseball could really do to increase viewership because mm-hmm. uh, Formula One saw a huge spike in the United States after the F1 show debuted on Netflix. Well, there is a sport that's following in their lead, and I think it's a brilliant move, and it's golf. The PGA Tour has struck a deal with Netflix to produce a docuseries on the upcoming season, and it's going to be similar to F1 Drive to Survive. The cast is still being finalized, but, quote, several of the tour's top players have already agreed to participate, and I think this is going to be awesome. Who are the first two that you have to have? Brooks and Bryson. No doubt about it. have to have them, and I yep. can't imagine that they wouldn't want to participate in something like this. No, you, you have to have those two. You have to have Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson. There are so many personalities. You're exactly right. They need to be revealed because people that just watch golf tournaments and are casual, they just see them as golfers. But there are a lot of great personalities on that tour that need to be introduced to the world. And I'm sure there's people that we don't even think of that will be showcased and they'll be really funny or mm-hmm. um, they'll show a different side of themselves. I would I would hope Phil Mickelson would be involved in some way, shape or form. I think he would be great. Obviously, he's got a fun personality. Um, but I just thought that this was a brilliant move by the PGA and I can't wait to watch it. And a guy like Colin Morikawa, yep. who, who is so likable. And maybe you have Justin Thomas, who still takes his parents on vacation. Stuff like that. It, there are so many things they can do with a show like this. And I think that the fact that they want to model it after the F1 show is great. But also, it's great for them to show golfers that they want to participate in the series. Yeah. Look at what this has done for F1 globally. Mm-hmm. And look at the way that we... Uh, showcase these guys and this could be you. I think it's a, a nice blueprint for these golfers to be able to look at and want to sign up for this. You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, well, speaking of television, Max Kellerman, it was announced, is leaving First Take. He is going to be joining the morning show here on ESPN Radio with Keyshawn and Jay Williams. Okay, so you got Max and you got Keyshawn. Max, Keyshawn, J-Well. That's going to be the show. But people are wondering what's going to happen then with First Take. Well, it was announced, ESPN put this out, that it's going to be a rotating cast of ESPN personalities that are going to assume the chair across from Stephen A. Smith, who's obviously the anchor and star of that show. Michael Irvin is going to be with Stephen A. Smith for the entire show every Monday. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the week, Tim Tebow is going to go head-to-head versus Stephen A. Smith to talk about college football. So you're going to bookend the week with Michael Irvin and Tim Tebow. That can be somewhat entertaining. I really have not embraced debate, but many people have and the show has great ratings. So that'll be good. And I do think that Max Kellerman has a chance to enhance and improve the morning show that's on before us. He he does have to overcome Jay Will to try to make it better. But uh, I do think that uh, both shows can be somewhat interesting. I'm just wondering if Tim Tebow, who seems like such a nice and happy person, is really cut out 
to embrace debate. He's very convicted, though, not criminally, but he he, <laughs> he is a man of conviction and he stands by the things that he says. I think he'll have strong opinions. I think he'll go head to head. But the thing is, he's not going to manufacture debate. He's going to say what he thinks rather than saying the opposite of what Stephen A. Smith says. That's going to be because I obviously we know Michael Irvin and, and Stephen A. Smith have had their battles before, mm-hmm. and I have no doubt that he's going to go come in there guns blazing and be ready to go. But it'll be interesting to see Tim Tebow uh, if Stephen A. pushes him a little bit, uh, that fire come out of him. I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing that side of him. Me too. Uh, all right. What's time, going on here? Time for the final word in our phrase that pays for the tickets, right? This is Cardinal Tickets, and it's for next Tuesday night, the Bud Bash Four t- a four pack of tickets for the Cards Dodgers game features an exclusive Lee Smith bobblehead. You've got to be 21 and over. Tickets courtesy of Budweiser and 101 ESPN. We gave you a word in the seven o'clock hour. We gave you a word in the eight o'clock hour. This is the final word, Michelle. What is it? The final word and the phrase that pays is legumes. Legumes has been a word of the day here on 101 ESPN previously. We've talked a lot about that yesterday. Legumes. If you have listened throughout the morning, you put the three words together and text in the phrase and texter number 24 in honor of Whitey Herzog. Uh, You know what? Let's do Lee Smith. Let's do... uh, what was Lee? 47. Let's text number 47 instead. With the phrase that pays, gets the tickets. Oh, we need this. Text in now. Yep. 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. You're killing me, Smalls. All right, and finally, we talked a little bit earlier in the show about Tom Brady being a villain for the majority of his career and becoming very likable. And part of that is that he's really let his guard down and he's letting his personality shine and he's having a lot of fun. So there is a web series for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers called In the Current. And in a recent episode, it was released on Wednesday, they focused on the Buccaneers' recent joint practices with the Titans. So naturally, Tom Brady was interviewed and he was asked about his buddy Mike Vrabel, Tennessee Titans head coach, and he did not hold back with his thoughts on Mike Vrabel. The Tennessee Titans are in town, coached by Mike Vrabel, who played with Tom Brady for eight seasons. Mike's kind of an asshole if you get to know him. He went to Ohio State. You know, obviously I don't like him. Buy another day. Go as hard as you can to buy another day. Don't play. Earn a right to be here. There's a, a healthy competition between us all, even though he's kind of fat and out of shape now. You know, physically he's really declined to a pretty sad state. About his buddy, called him an a-hole, said he's fat and out of shape, and that he's declined to a pretty sad state physically. (laughs) Gotta love Brady. He's getting better and better. Emily, can you please isolate that, that Randy just said, gotta love Brady? It's unbelievable. You love him now. Uh, He's so funny. He just does not care. Zero F's He's like an old man. He, He he just said he's fat, out of shape, and he's declined to a pretty sad state physically. That's great. That and, is very funny. And you know what? This is probably the Tom Brady that was there all along, but when he was in New England, he never let the, this side of himself out. And I got to tell you, I really enjoy him. I do, too. It's a shame that we missed 20 years of this. That's true. It's pretty funny. Thanks, Michelle. You hey, got it. And uh, you guys need to sign up to play in the Pick'em Challenge at 101ESPN.com. Not only do you play against the Fastlane guys who had to add Matt Holiday because they've just been smoked in every 
competition they've had with the Riz Show. So they have added Matt Holiday to try to help them out and improve. These are like Rivers and Salter and Thompson. They're supposed to be professional gamblers. And the Riz Show, just a bunch of like, what would you classify them? A bunch of weirdos? Oh, they are weird. They are self-proclaimed weirdos. Yes, they are. Who who are casual sports fans. Yeah, they are. And they beat the fast lane last year in the Pick'em Challenge. So not only do you get to take on the fast lane and the Riz Show, but Michelle and I are going to participate. BK and Ferrario are going to participate. Emily is there. Tanner Hendrickson. So you're battling against 101 ESPN, and the weekly top scorer gets a $50 gift card to Schnooks and a Bud Light prize pack of football swag. The Fast Lane and the Riz Show, throwing down all season long in the Pick'em Challenge. Get signed up to play now at 101ESPN.com, courtesy of Bud Light and Schnooks Rewards. And Michelle, our second winner for Club 314 at the Ascension Charity Classic, Glenn Petcher. Congratulations to Glenn. And a lot of people got the phrase that pays right. You've been listening all day, and we appreciate it. We'll give you the winner of the Cardinal tickets next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Dave in St. Charles has been listening throughout the morning. He knew that the phrase that pays is I love legumes. By the way, Michelle and Emily, congratulations on coming up with a great phrase that pays. Well, thank you, Randy. You're the the real winner here because you educated all of us that legumes include nuts. We thought they were just beans. Nope, cashews, pe- mm-hmm. peanuts. And we decided the other day that we do love legumes. That's right. And that was a phrase that pays. So we'll do that when we give away cardinal tickets. We'll have a phrase that pays if you listen throughout the course of the day. You have a chance to win those Budweiser uh, passes, the the Budweiser bash, and the Lee Smith bobblehead. And you get to see Albert on Tuesday night at the ballpark. So Dave in St. Charles, thanks for listening, and congratulations. Danny Mac is here, getting ready for the Danny Mac Show, featuring BK here on 101 ESPN. Hello, Daniel. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Good. How'd you uh, enjoy the Cardinals having a day off, and therefore you not having to do a game yesterday? Uh, you know what? I, I kind of was hoping that they would continue playing, even though the, the game two of the doubleheader was really ugly. Game one was really good. So a mm-hmm. little momentum, but you get to push back uh, Uncle Charlie to uh, Milwaukee in that game tonight. So I'm looking forward to seeing the National League Pitcher of the Month. How about that at the age of 40 doing that? Amazing. Incredible. Really I, is. I sometimes uh, I, I take in every performance that we get from Adam Wainwright, and every single time I'm like, not only does this bring me so much joy, I still can't believe it. Every time he's doing it, he's giving me no reason not to believe it, but I just think it's so remarkable. I got a theory what on, is it? on what's going on here. First of all, uh, God-given ability, he's got tons of it, um, and a curveball that is second to none. So that's been given to him. But my theory is is that we're seeing these young players that are, you know, he's twice as, hell, some of these kids are two decades younger than he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what do we always talk about in the game today, which is launch angle, power, you know, hitting the ball as hard as you can, which is great. I mean, it's all been there before, but it's now more than ever. And what we have in Adam Wainwright is a guy that just pitches and adjusts and makes adjustments. And I look at players today and I'm like, I just don't see adjustments. So I was a great example would be this. And Randy, you, you watch Keith Hernandez all the time. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Chris Welsh about Waino the other day. Chris Welsh does the um, Reds games and pitched a number of years in the big leagues. And he said, you know, I faced Keith Hernandez one time, four times in a game, and he 
he changed his stance and where he was in the box. He'd either move up, he'd move closer to the plate, might move back. And so there was a cat and mouse game that I had to make the adjustment with him. I mean, do we ever see that with people moving up in the box on Wayno or a guy that's got a good changeup or you get more spread out with the changeup? Think about up the middle the other way. And I just sometimes I'm watching him like he's just toying with these guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I really think that it's not overpowering stuff, but it's the God given ability. Great breaking ball. And he's throwing it a ton, but he throws it for strikes. So he's throwing it like 70 percent for strikes, which is amazing number. And he's throwing the curveball about 40 percent of the time. So that's part of it. But I just don't see the adjustment made back on Wainwright. No. And. Throughout the sport, that is a real problem, that there's so much reliance on other things rather than just what you're doing in the box yeah. that there's no way for those for a lot of those players to be able to adjust to what Wayno's doing. So I, I, I think if I was a hitter against him, I don't know, man, I'd think of something else. If he got me out yeah. the first time I'd, and, and has had success against me, i I got to make an adjustment. Yeah. Dan, we've asked a question throughout the morning, and I'm going to put you on the spot here, but I know you've thought about this. Bill DeWitt Jr. is giving you one move. You can make one move for the Cardinals mm. during this offseason. Uh, my choice was to go out and get Max Scherzer, bring him in and supplement your starting rotation. Michelle picked Trevor Story. We had a lot of people that uh, obviously wanted to change the pitching or the hitting coach. A lot of people wanted to do that. Uh, so if you could make a move, and no trades are allowed, but you can pick pick off a free agent out so there, free and, agent. and you get the guy. Mm. Somebody just uh, said Castellanos, for example. Ooh, I, I, a lot of Corey Seegers. Mm-hmm. That Corey Seeger would probably be the direction I would go. I think you have to look in the fact that you're going to have the designated hitter next year. Um, I certainly for both reasons of him being dominant, which he was the other night, and sentimentality of seeing Max Scherzer in a Cardinal uniform. We've all talked about it for so long. I The one thing about Castellanos, and I, I would love him, and he's kind of a rusty nail, and mm-hmm. I like that, and I like the fact that he plays hard. Mm-hmm. Always. Always plays hard. Now, he's right-handed, so I'm looking maybe to supplement my lineup with a lefty. Um and Seeger would fill kind of a couple of roles in in that regard. So maybe I look at that direction. But um, I'm probably looking more offense than I would even the pitching. If I'm the Dodgers, I don't let Seeger go. Even though I have Trey Turner, Lux might wind up being a bust. They sent him down. I saw that, yeah. And Justin Turner's under contract for next year. But Seeger, they've always talked about moving him to third anyway. And they're all about having good players. And Cody Bellinger, left-handed hitter, not having a good year. Muncie obviously is great. Muncie doesn't get enough love. Might be the MVP. Yeah, yeah he, he should be the MVP. So you've got Muncie, but you need another lefty hitter in that lineup. And Seager, to me, is the guy. I think so. Uh, that's For me, if I'm the Cardinals, I'm looking at middle infield. Uh, how do I feel about going forward with DeYoung and Sosa and Tommy Edmond? Do I make Tommy Edmond kind of the, the Swiss Army knife and play him all over the place, kind of like what the Cubs did with Zobrist? And Tommy's really having a nice finish to his season, is, yeah. leading the league in doubles. But i got to get more left-handed, I think. And maybe that uh, the other part of that is... Mm, I, I, I'm looking at my bench, too. Yeah. i got to get something on my bench. Well, and that's those are other moves that take place after the big move that you make. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, for example, with Scherzer, I think if if 
Wayno is on the fence. He says, ah, I don't know if they're going to really be that competitive. You get Scherzer, then Wayno wants to come back. And you have Flaherty, Scherzer, Wayno, Hudson returning, Michaelis. Michaelis. Reyes. Yeah, you've got a lot of things going on there. Yeah. Dan, we were disappointed this morning that you missed the fight. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. <laughs> Randy. <laughs> How much did you win by? Oh, what, three th- to one? Three to nothing. Three to nothing. Three to nothing? It's kind of a route. Only three nothing. Where's the fourth question? What, what did I miss? I don't um, even remember the ones I miss. It was, I forget, it was the second question. Um, Emily, do you remember what the second question of the fight was? Sorry to put you on the spot. Oh, she's doing something. She's working. Um, it was not the question about the Oklahoma City Thunder. No, I got that one you right. That, that was James Harden. Yeah, I don't remember. But anyway, it was... It, it was oh, I know. Way. It was the last team I think Jason Mott played for. Oh, yeah. Last team Jason Mott played for. Do you remember, for. Dan? I want to see the Atlanta Braves. There you go. Is well that done. right? Yep. It is? Yeah. I was looking it up. Yeah. I said the nice. Cubs. Yeah. You said the Cubs? Yeah. Oh, that's bad on you because he signed and then he bounced around a little bit. Colorado for a while. Yeah. yeah. It was. Atlanta Braves. I said it, maybe. That's right. You would have. Yeah. I said the Braves was kind of a forgettable part of his career. Maybe so. I, I can't remember this. It wasn't with the Yankees, but there was a place where he did have to shave. And I was thinking it was maybe Atlanta where they they told him, can't yeah. have that uh, long beard. But and that beard was glorious. Yes, it, it was. still is. Yeah. You got to see it now. He's got it going. I what? asked him, I said to him, I said one day, I said, um, I said, what's your wife think about this? Now that you're not playing. I mean, it's one thing if you're playing and you have the beard mm-hmm. because... You know, it's kind of part of who you are and all that stuff. And and he's like, no, she's the one that really told me to to get the beard back. Really? So that's why he's got the beard. Nice. No one really knows anything, uh, you know, any different look of uh, Jason Mott outside no. the beard. So Amazing. He's got it. Yeah. Oh, no, you, you lost on the Mott question, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, you lost uh, Hey, my, my record, whether I win one nothing or 4 nothing or 4-3, are you keeping uh, numbers on how you've been? Doing? I don't need to do that. Oh, <laughs> wow! No, I let That's other people really cocky. I let other people do that, Dan. I understand. Um, <laughs> you guys got big Labor Day plans? You're uh, off Monday. Off Monday, we've got a best of show, uh-huh. so that'll be fun. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to Mizzou. M-I-Z-Z-O-U against Central Michigan. And then I'm going to listen to the I-L-L-I-N-I on my way home. That's right. Because they play uh, Texas San Antonio. My sister's birthday is actually tomorrow, but we're going to celebrate it on Sunday because I'm going to be at Mizzou. And then on Monday, Dan, I'm thinking of uh, doing some ribs on the Traeger. Nice. How about and you? your day? I'm your weekend? I'm going to just relax and barbecue. If okay. I get some good barbecue in this weekend, it's a success. Nice. Okay. And what about Mr. McLaughlin? Uh, we got baseball games, man. Just keep rolling. We'll be watching. We got. Uh, we'll be back home on Monday. That'll be nice to Doors. be back at the uh, at the ballpark and um, Albert in town. Looking mm-hmm. forward to seeing yeah. that. And tickets still available. Might be your last chance to see Albert Pujols play. So, if you get the opportunity to go see the Cardinals and the Dodgers next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, my advice is take advantage of it. I don't have a good feel one way or another if he's coming back. I don't either. I just don't have a, a feeling one way or another. The about one it. thing though <laughs> that. It has is out there. He told the fast lane before the season started that all 30 teams were going to have to tell him no. And I don't know if that's changed, but it, it, obviously within the last six months, that's the way he's been feeling. And a lot has changed, though, for him, too. And <clears throat> you're released or let go yeah. by the, the, the I'm sure he felt, OK, I'll finish up this year and then, you know, kind of see what's out there. But then he was forced into a situation to to pick and choose a spot. Yeah. And 
picked a pretty good one. Yeah, and he could get the World Series this year, but next year, 15 more DH jobs open up, too. I would agree with that. I, I don't think he's an everyday DH, though. Yeah, but your DH against left-handed pitching? That's my guy. That. And then, yeah, a bench against left-handed, bench guy against left-handed relievers. Yeah. Yep. Who do we got coming up on the show? Uh, you'd have to ask Tanner. I'm not quite sure. Okay. Um, so when you're walking Tanner out. Tanner will know, we'll yeah. ask. Yeah. But we know it's going to be some great baseball talk. Of course it is. Throughout the course of the 10 I'm not o'clock sure. Hour. Is BK here today? I think he is. Yeah. Okay. I haven't so. heard anything to the contrary. No. Oh, okay. Everybody's here. All right. Good. Uh, a wonderful job today by our producer engineer, and we kept her busy. Emily Butcher, thank you. Thank you. Michelle, this was fun. Thank you. I will see you Tuesday. Yeah. Have a great weekend. You too. Have a great weekend, guys. We appreciate you tuning in, texting in, being a part of the show. And we've got a best of Monday, a lot of our great interviews. And then until Tuesday morning at 7, have a great holiday weekend, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.